Welcome to Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pops, the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Here's your hosts, Daniel Terry, Chrissy Steele and Phil Woodvine. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode three of season four of Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pops, the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. I am uh, taking the reins. I am Daniel Terry Me, the voice of Pro Wrestling For You, the the dork with a mic in the ring, uh, <laughs> joined by owner and creator of Processing for You, uh, Phil Filthy Woodvine, and our regular DJ slash sound technician slash knows everything that we don't, uh, Christopher Money Penny Strawn. <laughs> Good evening, gents. AK the dork with a mic on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I've got, I know, I know that the people that listen to this podcast, they won't be able to see what Chris looks like at the minute. But I've been to Crufts, and Chris kind of looks like one of the really overly combed dogs at Crufts. Um, His hair I, definitely is, uh, is. It's got a very, it's, it's got a very shiny coat, shall we say? It needs a cut, mate. Is what it does. <laughs> I mean, if, if you start tickling his belly and chucking him biscuits, then we'll, we'll probably double back on that one. What are you talking about? That's what we do most shows. Shake, it. Shake. I don't get paid, isn't it? <laughs> you get it's paid? Not it's not hot dogs and handshakes. It's uh, biscuits and belly rubs. So, I, need, uh, <laughs> I need to up my wage. I mean, I'm not getting biscuits. What's this? Um, but anyway, <laughs> indeed. So it is uh, episode three, where we're looking at the third year of Pro Wrestling View, which started with Silver Dough Showdown 3. So there's a nice little kind of running theme to lead into the show, I suppose. It, it is. I've got a little uh, tidbit for you. Okay. So on the on the last show, you isn't you, it tidbit, you, not tidbit. I thought it, I thought it was tidbit. Like I think it's, tid, I think it's tidbit. Tid, T-I-D. <laughs> How am I? Go- oh. I don't. I, I'm I'm sorry, but I don't want any of the uh, any of the former from yourself, filthy. Um, uh, that's just, uh, that's a different so podcast. You, just so you know, I'm not making up. I've actually got it written down on the form. <laughs> Phil, filthy tidbit. <laughs> How have I got to 37 and didn't realise it wasn't tit? Filthy's tidbits are something for a separate podcast, not for uh, <laughs> well, I've, Filthy's oh, only I'm, fans. I'm, I'm, I'm living up to the Wally name, so... Uh, oh, for God's sake. Phil's... Tid, tidbit sounds weird, tidbit. but we'll, we'll go with it. So you asked me on the last episode why Silverdale showed down the name. Yes. And it completely passed me by that... It wasn't originally called Silverdale Showdown. Now, when we went from the over oh. 18 shows to the you know, family friendly PG shows, we wanted to call it Pro Wrestling Fuse Proving Ground because the initials are Proving Ground. Yeah, PG. PG is a, is a little pun um, to kind of give people a little clue that we, you know, we're going PG and family friendly. Now, I think it was a company called NGW up in Hull, and there's another one down south that both had long running shows called Proving Ground. Someone pointed it out to me, and I didn't like to look stupid at that point. So, like, obviously, we've just done the tidbits thing. I'm quite okay with looking stupid. But at that point, I didn't want to look stupid. It's like, oh, no, 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 that's just, that's just like, well, like a movie has a name that's not a name that it goes under. It was the like project, a, the project name. Yeah, we. I was like, no, no, we were just, it's not really proving ground. It's it's uh, Silverdale Showdown. And I think that's how it came about. But it just, I didn't even, I didn't even have a clue till I went back and found some. I think it was found some notes in an old notebook. So that's, yep, ten years ago, I didn't even realise. But yeah, pressing for proving grounds, never to see the light of day. I mean, have you been cleaning out the loft to find that notebook? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll have a little nosy. And also, before another little tidbit, um, yeah, I know we're going to open the show talking about Silver Showdown 3 today, but this wasn't meant to be Showdown 3, it's meant to be Showdown 4. So at the end of 2012, we had a show booked in November that the venue would cancel on us. Again, I completely forgot about this. And oh, so nice. we did um, February and we did August. And then we had that one booked for November. And when we showed up for the show in August, they said, oh, yeah, by the way, we've, uh, we've had to cancel your, your November show. Oh, OK. I mean, I've, I've booked the ring, I've booked the wrestlers. Um, kind of you to let us know. Yeah, but I mean, they, they don't know what goes into it. They don't know how yeah. many moving parts a wrestling show takes. They just said, oh, just move it, you'll be okay. It's nowhere close. But obviously we boot the ring, the insurance, the wrestlers, the blah, 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 blah. So yeah, so this was meant to have been Showdown 4, but it's the delayed Showdown 3. Uh, there we go. So indeed, so on the third month of 2013, in the third year of pro wrestling for you, Silver Showdown, Silver, Silverdale Showdown 3, yes. too many S's. <laughs> Silverdale Showdown 3 uh, did indeed take place uh, you know nice little six match card not too yeah, bad, kind of, not too bad. Kind of following it going into the pattern that we'd kind of set ourselves into you know, five or six matches that tends to be our forte yeah yeah exactly um, nice mix well, of matches too gotta say yeah I think there's a, I think there's a bit of everything on this card now when people ask me if, are there any um moments in press infuse history that i feel a big leap like a big jump where we've tried something different or something's gone so right for us we never look back this show for me is it not just because chris is on it the handsome crufts winner that he is but <laughs> like it just it felt so different because the previous shows were just the, the curtain kind of pulled to a little bit no lights no care and attention just bog standard wrestling show kind of make it cheap um but there, there's such a big leap forward in quality of this show uh, i'm just glad that we've got the dvd of it and it's up on our on demand and all that sort of stuff as well because even though the cameras aren't as high res as i would have liked it's still a really good representation of what we, we would come to know yeah exactly yeah. and also like it was the first time you say that you booked in with myself and my former partner doing lights yeah, well, well no. this this for me because me and you've never talked about this no. um, in the in the decade that we've known each other. It's because for anyone that doesn't know, Chris is a big wrestling fan now, but go back a decade, and he didn't want anything to do with wrestling. I mean, is is that fair to say? That was fair to say, mate. I just I was told that we're doing lights for a wrestling show. I was like, yeah, fuck it, why not? It's a paying job. Let's uh, let's do it. Um, well, what's what's the worst <laughs> that could happen? And ten years well, down the line, I'm now. Die-hard wrestling fan. Exactly. Ten years down the line, the worst happened. Um. <laughs> yep. We, we, we saw him in his tights. The worst has most definitely happened. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, Steel is, well, a, is, a, is a talk for another podcast. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, I mean, how what came about was we were being sponsored by Venom Bass Music Studio. And uh, we, your company, Blackout Lighting, were they like a like a subsidy of Venom Bass or a no, not at all. They, we were no, no, not at all. Um, they were just friends of ours, and because we were, we set up blackout blackout lighting as purely just a thing to do for Jesse's Divide, who Peter Q fans will know as being on the shows a couple of times. Um, mm. And we just decided, like, because Jesse did gig, did the odd gig here and there. But we want to do more lighting, so let's just see what we can do. And Venom Base informed you guys about us, and yeah, 
well, the it, rest it, of it history. Was, <laughs> it was a really strange um, meeting that we had because myself and my, yeah, my girlfriend at the time, uh, we got we got taken we got taken to to Venom Base. We walked in. We said hello to Chris, the owner of Venom Base. We said hello to uh, Mark, your former partner. And they sat us both on the floor, looking at an empty wall over the other side of the room. Like, it's a big, long room. And, like, just sit down, sit down, stare at the wall that would have been 50 feet in front of us. We're like, um, okay. And they, t- they turn the lights off, and we're looking at each other going, um, what's, what's, what's going on here? What's, what's going to jump out at us? This is where we die. <laughs> yeah, this is going to turn into a Netflix documentary 10 years from now. Um, and then, like, over our heads, the, the lasers just started firing at the wall that Mark was putting on all these lasers upon this big light show. And we're like, oh, okay, okay, we're, we're not here to get um, buggered. So, yeah, it was, it was a really good, like, laser show. We just, we just stood there looking at all these lasers going over the tops of our heads, all this light show, all these strobes. The I think he maybe had a couple of the, the vapor machines. And we're like, okay, and then... Chris, the owner of Venom Base, said, so, do you want them for for your shows? Like, first of all, tell me a price. Because as good as it is, we could only do so much. Yeah. Um, We could even make the tickets 20 quid each, which people people wouldn't show up for, or we sell enough of them that we can't get enough people in the venue, and then it's the same issue no matter how you look at it. So, quoted me a price, we said, okay. And then ourselves, Venom Base, and uh, Blackout were... All, all joined at the hip, like some kind of weird human centipede. I mean, I was going to go with a menage a trois, but sure, if you want to go down that route, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I've watched some of uh, Chrissy Strawn's home movies, and uh, that's just... I mean, what? What? <laughs> exactly. Rolling around with his cat food. <laughs> you were involved in them. Exactly. So, Chris, I want to kind of get your perspective on this. Because i say this is your first show. Again, blank canvas. Imagine Phil's not here. What was your first impressions when you turned up that first day to light this wrestling show? What was your what was your expectations and what was your impressions? I was completely thrown in the deep end with this one, mate. I'm not going to lie, because uh, we were used to, like I say, doing gigs and stuff. We're not, we weren't adver- like different medium. Adver- yeah, it's a totally different medium. Um, we've got to do entrances and whatnot, dual lights but we're not doing it to music that we know sort of thing. Like I say with Jesse's, we know all the songs. Yeah. And, uh, you know when to, yeah, the you know when to do the, the, like, the yeah, different yeah. phases and stuff. But also, as Phil will tell you on these early shows, I couldn't see the ring. I was behind uh-huh. the curtain on stage. So okay. I'm doing all the lights from behind the curtain as the wrestler walks out, and I don't know what's going on. Out, I can't see out front to see how it's looking or going down or whatever. Yeah. All I've got is Dabo at the back doing the laser and controlling the, the geezers, which were the smoke machines that we were very limited to what we could use because of the smoke alarms. Yep. Um, and I'm behind just flashing all the lights on a little like It looks like a keyboard because I'm just doing the keyboard action the whole time to the rhythm of the music and Fair also enough. to like to the crowd sort of like chanting and whatnot okay. okay so yeah for me it was a very big learning curve to go like i'm doing this entirely blind because i don't know what's going on out front i don't know what the songs are nine times out of ten because it's not my forte and yeah i was just like let's do this once and make Learned. sure he pays us at the other night because he looks a great dodgy bugger <laughs> i mean still does still does <laughs> um and yeah, and then, yeah, we did 
a few years with you, a couple of years at least. Yeah, um, well, it, it, was, it goes from this show up to the one before November Rain. Yeah, yes, which obviously, we, uh, yeah, which obviously we will get to that at, at a later date. But we'll, this is like the building of Blackout and Progressing Few, and also Jesse's um, all in itself. Obviously, when it gets to November Rain, that's the downfall of a lot of it, but also the rebirth of some other stuff, which I obviously we'll get to on on future shows. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, in theory, we'll uh, start getting to on the next show because uh, that was all in 2014. Um, mm-hmm. but indeed that's so uh, if, you, if you're interested in that make sure you hit like on whatever service you're watching this on that you watch you watching listening to uh, your podcasts on and you'll be able to catch episode four when it comes out um or if it's already out happily binge it enjoy um <laughs> so yeah so again so a bit of a bit of a learning curve bit of a obviously if i'm to say what things from a technical perspective would you have done differently knowing that i'm assuming knowing silverdale i don't think that desk which i believe is there can move so i'm assuming some kind of monitor system would have been useful well dobbo was on the dj booth which is where i am situated now at the back yeah um i was on just a, a table behind the curtain where the trussing is on stage for you guys yeah. who attend the shows now um so yeah i was as you're looking at the stage i'm stage right so kind of, and I know people listening to this might not know, but Dan, so where Tony Knox is taking photos on the stage now. Yeah, that's Chris, where I Chris, was. Yeah, Chris was tucked in there. The stage was open, but we'd put like trussing along that side. So Yeah, uh, and a curtain. Fair enough, okay. So and, yeah, for, for, from, for those who may understand theatre, that would be stage left, technically. Uh, but yes. if you're in the audience, the right-hand side of the stage. Yeah, um, and also the amount of wrestlers who thought I was controlling the music because I'm doing all this little motion on a little keyboard device <laughs> and kept going to be going, wait until the chorus and then cut it out. I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to do one handed action of like, I'm not controlling the music because you can't hear me over the music. Yeah. I'm doing the, the flashing lights. Flashing lights. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like Pitbull was the worst one. Every show he'd say to me, can you cut these, cut the uh, chorus? I'm like, no, I've got no. <laughs> Like international distress signal. Like I've got, <laughs> I can't do it to the back of the the uh, venue, mate. I can't help you there. Bless it's, like, it's like, yeah, I can't. But if you speak to the right person, baby. <laughs> uh, indeed. So yeah. So yeah. So in talking about like obviously the format change. Back to you, Filthy. Like the previous uh, event was a four way, several singles match and a uh, tag match at the end, I believe. So kind yeah, of like, a lot, right. of, a lot of single matches kind of sandwiched. Obviously, this it's. It's very much interspersed. Singles, four-way, singles, tag team, singles, money in the bank, rumble match. Yeah. Um, so it's it's, it's, it's it's difficult with booking a show when you've got no stories. And it's yeah. difficult when, you, when you're booking a show. And bear in mind, to say, like we said at the start of this podcast, we thought we had a show in November. So that would have been February, August, November, and then March for this one. So there's not as much of a time gap between. When you go from August to March... It's very difficult to say, I hate you. And in seven months' time, I'm going to get my revenge. <laughs> it, it doesn't, it misses some, there's something gets lost in translation in the fret there. So, yeah, uh, the, the, the narrative gets forgotten in that time. Yeah. So, you've got to kind of book it a bit different. The more attractions than matches and storyline progression. Yeah. So, uh, opening up, uh, you had a nice little singles match uh, Danny Steele and Chris Travis. Yeah. Um, now, 
And before we get on to this one, like I purposefully, one of my all-time favorite favorite songs, which I think Chris would have had to have like yeah, done the lights to, and probably would have thought, why the hell are we playing this shit? Um, it opened the it opened the the, uh, the show up. It's Avicii levels. Now I'm a big Avicii fan. I saw him live at Creamfields. I can. It's difficult to appreciate a DJ because they don't move. They're behind a DJ booth. They can do very little. It's not like rock stars that jump up on podiums and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But but big fan of Avicii. And this was me getting my own way. I don't want to do rock to open the shows. I want my personality on my shows. My ego's creeping in. So if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have my DJ Avicii opening the show. So purposefully kind of uh, picked there. Um, it, this should have been a really great opener. Because um, Danny Steele is just is always immaculate. Chiseled. Chris Travis, obviously no longer with us. Chiseled beyond belief. And... The crowd was gone, just completely silenced, just really, really painfully quiet. And they were they were trying stuff, you know, but they they just couldn't. Okay. Uh, they just couldn't draw from the crowd, unfortunately. Hmm. Run, this, this might have something to do with. Now we we still stick with this format for a while, but this is when we used to open at seven and start at eight, so the crowd had been sat there for an hour. Yeah. Could be something to do with that. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean there or, is sort of like you know there is there is something to be said with the current format in uh, memory serves because it's been a while since we've done a show. Um, doors I at just, seven, uh, first bell at seven thirty. Yeah, yeah. I just want to quickly interject, Phil, because I know at this time you were using you've just said about like you don't want rock to open the show sort of thing. Um, for the fans who remember those shows, what was the reason for using? Mentize Gods of the New Age as the promo music video for these Ooh. shows. Bloody hell, god damn, you're good. He is, he is earning his bally rub um, and uh, biscuits today. Honestly, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to send you a big case of uh, cat food with gravy or jelly, whichever is your preference for, uh, for anyone that listened last night. Dan's looking confused, but he'll hit him. Oh in a no, second. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just, uh, I'm just blanking that bit out. I've, I've yep. repressed that bit. That, um, that, that never well, happened. In this, like, I like to. Um, there's like a Vince McMahonism that he likes to own content. You know, he likes to have his own little trademark, his own little copyright on, you know, people's names, people's moves, so on and so forth. Now, I've been using Amentized Gods of the New Age for a little while at United Wrestling because I was managing a team uh, called Gods of the New Age because like it's quite a predominant, you know, quite. A, Really good rock song, great beat to it. Pronounces the 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 words in it quite a lot. There's not, I think there's maybe one swear word, but it's at the end, so you will never get to it. And I wanted to own that song because nobody knew what the song was. I wanted to be like, hey, that's my mate's band. Let's play it. Um, so yeah, I think that's just why we went with it. It was a, it was a hangover from the United Wrestling days. But what isn't a hangover from the, the United Wrestling days is we've not got Matt Castle on this show. Now I don't think you two have met him. But he was our referee from uh, early doors, from the very first show. Good friend of mine uh, named uh, Matt Castle we used to go together up to uh, United Wrestling. He took over the book at United Wrestling in 2000, late 2012. We had a bit of a fallout, didn't see eye to eye, both got egos, both can't take criticism, and we kind of parted ways. So we've got Russell Whitey, the ref at this one, Matt Castle had a... Uh, and had departed, and I had departed United Wrestling all at once. Okay. Again, a quick interjection. Six degrees of separation here. 
I was a mentized roadie when they recorded that album. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Flip yeah, we should have met each other sooner. I mean, we probably did, and I just thought that why not do it at Crufts? Why is he in the scrub? <laughs> I love how you keep going from Crufts to cat food. This is very uh... mixed metaphors here. Mixed metaphors, uh, indeed. Uh, but yeah, speaking of mixing it up, the uh, the next match was a four way match uh, for a title as well for the uh, Pros and Few G Six division. Yeah, with, now uh, this, is, this might be the first time that the G Six hasn't opened a show. Uh, I will. I'm pretty, certain, yeah, pretty, pretty certain that's right because we wanted it to be the opener. We wanted we wanted to bookend the shows, and I think this is the this is the me trying something different. Okay, that okay, maybe... I'm, I'm assuming we're we're discounting extreme mashup. But that that, that was a five way G6. What went on to be G6? Uh, so yeah. Was, okay. So um, yeah, five way format, but without the belt. Yeah. Yeah, the belt didn't come to the, the second show, but this is the first time that the that the championship belt was actually on a show. Um, so up to this point, Squirt had always come out with this gold trophy. Yeah. Um, we, we actually got a G6 belt made, and this was the first time Squirt was going to come out with it, and he's losing it on this show. So he had it for maybe an hour. Oh, bless him. Maybe, maybe two. And he's like, oh, this is a really nice shiny belt, like fresh out the bag. Still, <laughs> still got that new car smell. Yeah. Like, oh, I've, I've got to drop it. Shit. <laughs> Indeed. Now, I will say, before we go any further, um, obviously, we are recording this post speaking out. Uh, there are names that we will be mentioning this podcast um, purely from a factual, they were there sense. Um, nothing more needs to be said on that matter. Um, we are fully behind the speaking out movement and uh, we at Pros Review have indeed uh, been looking at what we can do to make the wrestling scene a better place to work in as well as visit. Uh, but yeah, so four-way match. Um, now, I'm going to say a name. I don't know if we've mentioned this from previous podcasts, but uh, this this person is you know uh, still on the pro scene for still 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 wrestling with us, uh, but looked a bit different back then to what he does now. Um, so Dan Evans, which I'm going to believe is, is someone who's uh, been with us recently, uh, Liverpoolium. Yep. Yep. Uh, I've been with him at United Wrestling for for what seems like ever. So it was just a easy an easy fix to bring him in. Yep. Uh, uh, Kieran, I'm guessing that's pronounced Kieran McConnell. Yeah. yeah he he owned. Um... I don't know what the, what the company's called now. Uh, Infinite Promotions Wrestling up in Liverpool. Him and Zach Gibson, um, as he would you know, kind of go to be as a, yeah. you know, NXT UK, they both owned Infinite Promotions and they had me on their show because they had like a British Wrestling Premier League at the time mm. and they split the country up into you know, counties and cities. And oh. uh, myself, myself, Mark Morgan, Dean Allmark and Robbie Dynamite were Team Stoke. So it was... It was it was a like a good thing to, to get them on board because they were promoting us, we were promoting them. So it was good yep. to kind of get Kevin on board, even though he probably wouldn't have fitted in with the G6 idealized weight, weight yeah. division. Uh, of course, Squirt, the, at the time uh, going into this match, the uh, reigning G6 champion, and Mark Morgan, who I believe I've seen pictures of him at the time of these shows. Uh, Mark, the Mark Morgan, as we know now, fairly muscly, um, like Bull. myself, follically challenged. Um, then he'd, he'd be rivaling Chris for the length of the hair. Would would it be fair to say? 
And I, it was uh, so. bleach blonde. Mine isn't bleach blonde, but he does. Uh, he does. On the length of I didn't recognise him when he came back as he is now, to the point where I reintroduced myself to him. Nice. That's not I mean, my uh, brightest moment. I mean, strobed, to be fair, I strobed I, him right off. I, I, th- I think I'd probably do that just uh, just just to wind him up if he if he if he'd made a change that uh, vast. Uh, again, knowing him as I know him now, um, but yeah, um, a very long-haired, bleach blonde Mark Morgan. Yeah. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with the word tit bit because I can't. I'm, I'm, 30, <laughs> I'm 37. I'm not changing anything now. So a filthy little tit bit for this uh, for this match. Now we've already mentioned this is the first time we've got the belt on the show, so it's no longer a trophy. Now the move that Mark Morgan finished the pulls out the win with is a split-legged moonsault, which is what Dave Davecchio, then at the time Scorpion, won the very first ever person for you match with. So obviously Mark and Dave went on to be the scoundrels, um, but the fact that both of them won uh, with with you know, split-leg moonsaults was a quite nice little tit bit. Indeed. Um, I mean, now there's a. There's I can't a imagine Mark doing a moonsault. I, no, mean, I mean, he's, he's, he's not averse to sort of like, you know, climbing the turnbuckles every now and then, but he doesn't, he doesn't, his style at the moment, you wouldn't, you wouldn't you'd instantly look at him and go, yeah, he's going to moonsault. <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, he was, he was a very, uh, the most, I don't want to say vanilla baby face, but a very vanilla baby face, you know, very blonde, very uh, clapping hands. And you know what I mean? The, 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 yeah. That, I mean, we, it worked because he was getting over it, but very much um, of that kind of thing. Now, there's a spot in this match that does not age well. Okay. Um, I've, I've put this online. Chris is shaking his head. I think he knows which one it is, and I think it's his phone wallpaper. Uh, <laughs> How did you know? No, it's, and it's aged badly. <laughs> it is, is aged badly. Now, I'd stolen this spot. I don't know where from. Dan's looking confused. But it's a four-way match, so occasionally the, the heels team up, the faces team up, and yeah. then all hell breaks loose, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, Dan Evans kind of falls in the center of the ring on all fours, so he's on his hands and knees, and they, I think they drop toe hold, Kevin McConnell. Now, people can't see this, but both Dan and Chris are hiding their faces. Now, yeah, they drop toe hold, Kevin McConnell into the back of Mr. Massive himself, Dan Evans. And he looks like, um, I'm trying to think of a PG way of doing this. Um, it looks like a lowercase H. Yeah, he's getting yeah. rear-ended. Okay. It's a, a bit Discovery Channel, shall we say. Yeah, and yeah. then to, okay. to, make, to make matters worse or better, it depends on the, your preference, they take turns in kicking Kieran into the buttocks. So Squirt and Mark take, yeah, take turns kicking Kieran in the buttocks. So he looks like he is giving Dan a good time. Okay. <laughs> Bless. Uh, and of course, in the... <laughs> oh my. Um, poor Dan. Uh, and in the end, uh, obviously, Mark Morgan becomes the uh, G6 title champion. Yep, the first time he's, uh, he's won this belt, but definitely not the last time. No, indeed. Uh, but yeah, so and again, sort of, he's been many champions since. Is it fair to say? Um, I think there's maybe six or seven in total, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Um, of course, then we had uh, a singles match uh, with uh, aforementioned Zach Gibson 
uh, defeating El Ligero. Now, this is two years since that Keel show, our, our debut show at Keel. Mm-hmm. Um, and the crowd had warmed up at this point. They were very much like it's a stoky crowd. And as soon as our announcer at the time, Mr. Harvey Dale, announced, and um, you know, hailing from Liverpool, that's all they needed to know. That's all Boom. the crowd. And I know, Daniel, I know you're a Liverpool fan. I know, I, am. I know. I am. And my girlfriend's a scout, so, so it is what it is. But the crowd, that's all they needed. Gibson just walked out onto the stage, didn't need to say anything, didn't need to do anything. He got a chorus of boos, and that chorus of boos stayed in for, with an entire 50-minute match. It was superb. Nice. Uh, indeed, of course. And uh, um, b- back then, were you doing three break and then uh, carrying on, or were you breaking after... Four. I believe this was four intermission two. Okay, okay. I so, could be I mean, wrong. Was, was, Raff, was the uh, infamous, now now infamous, Rafflemania not a thing at this point? No, Rafflemania didn't kick not in for another, another two, three years, perhaps. Okay, fair enough, yeah, fair enough. It, it was a four and two break back then. Four and two? Yeah. Okay. So in that case, the uh, first half finale... Uh, was a tag team match. Uh, the Predators, Joseph Connor and Paul Mayer, Mal. Oh God, no, no. I Every time. This. This, this, this was a mistake from last time. Paul Mal. No. Malin. Yes. There we go. Uh, <laughs> against uh, Keith Myatt and the baby-faced Pitbull. It's an interesting yeah. tag team. Well, uh, we didn't have we didn't have really many storylines, you know. Um, we're still trying to create team. We didn't have many tag teams at all. So Ryan Myatt is missing from this show. I have no idea why he wasn't here at this point. I think this might have been when he did his shoulder in. Okay. Yeah, he pulled, he pulled his shoulder out really badly on a United Wrestling show. And he had okay. to take some time away. So this would probably fall in with this kind of point. A couple Was that of about the time he pulled his hair out as well? Are you anybody to judge? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, yeah, we, we, we didn't, we didn't, um, we didn't have yeah, many tag teams, didn't have many storylines. Now, the Predators were flanked by Violet Vendetta and myself. Okay. Um, I was, I was still wearing my cheesy little waistcoat, which I've been shot down by the both of you about waistcoats. I think they're terrible. You two think they're good. Whatever. I, I wear my my outfit is a waistcoat. I mean, with trousers and a shirt as well, obviously, not just a waistcoat. That'd be very. A very different show, indeed. Um, but yeah, waistcoats are awesome. I it, second it, that. It, it works for both of you two. It, I mean, just, I, it just didn't work for me. Like, I wouldn't wear one now. I couldn't do it. I just look like, when I'm wearing a waistcoat, I just look like a kind of like a try-hard pub landlord, which is kind of what I've slowly kind of like eked into in terms of my announcing style. Um, <laughs> the problem is, I look like a hipster all the time. So with a, a waistcoat, it just it solidifies that entire image. I work yeah. a craft beer. I've got a beard. I've got long hair. Waistcoat. But it. it's 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 a smoke a pipe. But... <laughs> I mean that, that that's I mean that's a bit personal. That is Chris. I mean, uh... <laughs> I said pipe, not bowl. <laughs> I mean, just leave. Well, whatever you get up to, me. We don't we don't judge. We love you no matter what. Uh, indeed. Uh, but anyway, uh, back to this tag team match. Um, obviously, sort of like, you know, Keith Might and Babyface Pitbull, um, those of Pro Wrestling View uh, fandom will probably know that there's been a bit of more recent history in terms of matches between those two. Is it fair to say? 
Yep. Because um, both the, both of these two are baby faces at this point. Yeah. And um, I think we're still we're still using the United Wrestling Ring and we're still using the United Wrestling Broken Mics. So I think I tried cut a promo at the start of this match, and it sounds like Morse code. Okay. It, it just doesn't. Yeah. And people, but it's one of those weird things where if I'd have just cut this scathing promo, people would go, "Oh, we don't like how he says this. I'm going to boo him." But because I'm getting very frustrated, it worked better because then they're laughing at me. I'm getting mad. And then that it just keeps breaking more, yep. and it just worked better without any actual words. Just me going, "It's bloody working!" <laughs> and then I, I mean, give it back to like, the announcer, and like the accent, announcer, Mike. it's 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 my voice because I give it back to the announcer. The announcer goes, "Seems to work perfectly fine." Damn it! <laughs> um, so again, but again, that that makes it even funnier. So when I watched it back, it's like you know what? That, that that's actually one of those happy little coincidences. Happy little accidents. Yeah, but I think this for me was my uh, penultimate manager manager appearance at this point. On I your own shows, kind of, yeah, and, and yeah, on all shows pretty much. Oh, okay. Um, I was kind of trying to wrap it up a little bit, and I just wanted to just be a promoter. So yes, my penultimate appearance. Plus, Father Vendetta's infinitely better than me. So <gasps> leaving true. it up, leaving it up to her was just made more sense. Absolutely fair. Yeah. Um, so then, obviously, we had our intermission, and you came back again with a singles match. Uh, Sam Bailey defeating Dave Rain. In a dance-off. In a dance-off. I approve. Uh, yeah. Now, both of these two knew there was going to be a dance-off. Neither of them knew which music I was going to pick for them. Yeah. Uh, like, I, 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 we still do that now. I mean, both of you two are aware of bits and pieces that we've done over time where of we course. purposefully don't tell the people involved. Like, we don't tell Dan and Chris the raffle prize. We don't tell certain other wrestlers bits and pieces and whatever. In fairness, I we, ask not to be told. I want yeah. to be surprised. <laughs> but, like, I genuinely, I wouldn't tell you even if, even if you'd have asked because I do yeah. genuinely love the genuine sell. And we do that with matches and we do that with bits and pieces and all this sort of stuff. Now I've managed to pick a Gangnam Style for oh dear Dave, for Dave Rain. I'm pretty certain that's right. And then I pick Gangnam Style again for Sam Bailey. Sam is a superb dancer, really, really great dancer. Dave Rain, not so much. He looks like when you used to go to a nightclub and there'd be um, not an old guy, but a guy a bit too old for the club there. Why do I feel I'm like I'm about to be called out? Um, we were in like is, if someone was like eighty That's or ninety. All of us now. Yeah, <laughs> that creepy old dude at the club. But he he kind of danced like that, a bit lechery. You just stand there with your pint, looking on the on the dance floor, size you know, sizing up the, uh, the 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 women like they're animals, and just like he's trying to claim his hunting trophy. He danced like that. So yeah, and then Dave Rain took the mic after they both had dance. You know what, Sam? You do it again. You do it again. I want to see what you're going to do. And he was going to jump in while Sam was dancing. Now, I, I switched the music to uh, Baggy Trousers by Madness. And the look on Sam's face is, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, why not just keep it Gangnam style? But I, I must yeah. have told whoever was DJ at that point, yeah, yeah, just switch it into Baggy Trousers for me. I mean, it's, as, as we all know, Baggy Trousers is that infinitely danceable, continuous rhythm song. Um, yeah. Yeah, you meanie, you meanie. It, it was it was organic. I do have to point out that uh, it was Joshy Brown, the DJ for this show. Hey, uh, he didn't do too, yeah, he didn't do too many shows for us, and he probably did maybe four or five in total. But yeah, pretty soon this was one of Joshy Brown's. 
because um, he picked because I think Sam Bailey showed up with no music, as is always the case with a lot of wrestlers. Yeah, oh, mate, can you just pick me something? I mean, they always go up to Chris. Can you pick me something? And say, Chris, find him something. And then Chris picks him something. Yeah, 99% of the time, Chris picks him something perfect. Because Chris knows what he's doing. I'm not trying to blow some smoke, but Chris does know what the fuck he is doing. Credit where credit's due. I don't give many compliments out. There's well, what no, it nine is. Nine times out of ten, mate. They, they give me a certain song. That's why I know what I'm doing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I take back my compliments here. But Josh, um, must, Josh must have picked something for Sam because he picked a bad man rhythm. Whatever okay. that song is. Okay. Yeah, I, was yeah. like, I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And then, yes, I think Sam won the dance off. And I think he actually won the match as well. I, I, I have no he idea. Did. So, yep, uh, he did. We do have to give a big, big shout out to cagematch.net for this because I don't remember all these results. So, uh, a massive, massive thank you to cagematch.net. Indeed. Uh, Phil is, of course, uh, older than God's dog, so you know his memory is going at this point in his age. So we, we, do have to, we do have to thank these tools that help him remember what he did uh, up to three weeks ago. Uh, indeed. Uh, of course, then, the finale. Now, I can't think... I mean, I've, I've not been you know, with Pro Wrestling View for the longest time, uh, but I can't think of another time when I've seen a Money in the Bank Rumble match. Yeah, um, especially with only 13 people in it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so we, we kind of wanted to push the boat out. We wanted to test the boundaries of the audience. How long would they sit there for? You know, because it's a six-match card, and a battle royale, if you put that on, it's five minutes, seven minutes tops. Yeah. When you've got one-minute intervals, or well, I think it was one-minute intervals, you know you're guaranteed for at least a good 15, 20 minutes. Let's yeah. put a lot of matches on, see where they kind of time out and go, okay, there'll be no future reference, maybe dial it back to five matches. They've got an attention span of X, X. amount of minutes, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, so, yeah, plus we, you know, let's be honest, Rumbles are just a way to see a lot of talent, a new talent, if that's what you're doing it for, yeah. or to use a lot of the talent twice because they don't charge you for twice if it's a Rumble. Yeah. Um, just being honest, you know, it's it's a money saving tactic. Get me on that that money saving supermarket, whatever the fuck it's called. But that, that's what it is. That's why people do rumbles. It's exciting, and you save money in the long run. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is entertaining because obviously, I mean, I think I'm quoting someone uh, from backstage. I can't remember who, um, but they said, you know, they love a rumble because you get to go out there and in 30 seconds just drop all your favorite moves, make the crowd absolutely pop, and then get thrown out. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it's 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 a very interesting thing from both sides, I think. Also, you've got to bear, bear this in mind. The other thing that comes out of Rumbles, and now this happens every WWE Royal Rumble, is storylines. Because mm -hmm. you know, you've got a lot of people involved in that. So you can have this person chucks this one out, this person chucks this person out. The, the ref didn't see this person go out. It creates stories. And again, this is like, okay, we're going to do three shows this year relatively close together, you know, we're in two months of each other, three months of each other. We need storylines. We need to to start creating. It can't just be five or six attractions, go home. Five, six attractions next time, go home. We need something that flows from one show to another. Yeah. So that's yeah, another reason why we do the rumble. So was there a storyline within this one that you wanted to pull over to um Silver Showdown for? Or or can you yeah. not remember? I can, uh, luckily I can. I'm, I'm not too not too bad on this one. So 
it came down to Sam Bailey, who was super over on the show, and Paul Malin, that was a super over heel. I mean, he's an old school veteran heel, Paul, Mr. Paul Malin, as you like to call him. And it comes down to Sam Bailey and Paul Malin. I'm pretty soon Paul Malin gets uh, ejected from the Rumble. Sam Bailey thinks he's won. But because the ref is seen to Chris Travis on the floor, who's got his uh, arms wrapped around the referee so the ref can't see, Paul slides back in, chucks Sam Bailey out. The, the, the ref turns around, sees that Paul Malin has won. Fallon Vedetta slides in, flashes a knickers. And then we've got a, <laughs> we've got a story. Okay. Okay, I'll see. I'll see. Um, yeah, so I mean so it, again, so it gives us something. Yeah, the crowd have been cheated. Um it gives us a little bit of something to kind of work with. I'm like, okay, that's quite cool. Now I have ripped off the Royal Rumble ninety five ending for this show. It's Shawn Michaels and British Bulldog, and it happens exactly the same. Yeah. Shawn Michaels gets chucked out, he's got one foot on the floor, the infamous one foot on the floor. Bulldog's on the turnbuckle, I've won. Sean rolls back in, hits double axe handle, knocks him out, and we just parodied that exact same finish. I mean, fair play, you know. Uh, what was it? Imitations, imitations of sincerest form of flattery? Yep. And with this, obviously, so Paul Malin's now got the money in the bank briefcase. We didn't care about copyrights at this point. So yeah, WWE, WWE wouldn't know where to send a cease and desist. So a title so, in a lunchbox briefcase. Got you. Yeah. Well, um, Jericho owns that apparently, doesn't he? What he owns, what the copyrights Money in the Bank? He does. Oh, yeah, okay. He invented Money in the Bank. Uh, I mean, hats off yeah, to Every day it's a school day. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, so to ca- maybe yeah, one to day do we do AEW, should I say? AEW, we may see a Money in the Bank match. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they still present Money in the Bank pay per views, I would probably say that WWE owns it. Well, maybe not necessarily. Yeah, they might have a Jericho, rights deal with Jericho for yeah, so many years, they, like, so a contract rights. for so many years. Yeah, so when it runs out, Jericho's got the power to uh, renew or the... take it himself. Yeah. yeah. I'd have to. This, does, this does create more storyline, because you don't want to just have one storyline. You don't want to have just a plan A, because if one of, one of the people in plan A doesn't show up next time, yeah. you want to have plan, plan B, plan C. So yeah. with Pitbull still being the person for you champion. Malin's in the ring. He's got the briefcase. Sam looks dejected. Sam walks off. Malin's cheering. But we need to send the fans home happy. Yeah. So the music hits. Babyface Pitbull comes out. Straight in the ring. Doesn't do his laps. I don't even think he did his infamous 10 laps around the ring before getting in. He jumps straight in. Eye to eye with Paul Malin. Trying to challenge him to get him to to cash in. Malin's kind of thinking about it. He's thinking about it. He's thinking about it. And then ducks out like the cowardly heel that he is to leave yeah. Pitbull in the ring to send the fans home happy. Fair, fair, fair. And uh, uh, yeah, and uh, that's the that's the end of that show. There is one other little tidbit I do want bit. to give you both. Tidbit. Now, I, I'm not. I'm 37. I'm not. I'm not changing anything now. It's right. So, we'll, we'll we'll keep the biscuits that you were going to give uh, to Money Penny, and we'll use them to train you. So it's fine. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so on this show. Um, you had obviously me, the promoter and owner of person for you. You mm-hmm. had Sticks in the audience that owns House of Pain. Yep. You had M- Mrs. Flutter that kind of co-owned Preston City Wrestling with Mr. Flutter, who Mr. Flutter wasn't in attendance, but she was. So House of Pain was in attendance. PCW's in attendance. We had Dale Harvey that owned Hope Wrestling in attendance. We had Kieran and Zach 
uh, from Infinite Promotions. Okay. Two more promoters. We had Richard Lee supplying the ring security and microphones. Another another promoter. And Dave Rain that owned Future Shock Wrestling all on the card as well. So including myself, seven promotions represented all under the person view banner. Not bad. And again, that was uh, quite an interesting thing that we you came back to later, which we will obviously get to, uh, with Pro Wrestling View versus a world where we invited um, other people over. Um, always some of my favorite uh, favorite events there, just to see kind of the different the different fan bases kind of reacted to. It's, it was always interesting. Um, but yeah, so that was indeed Silver Silver. I can't speak today. Silverdale <laughs> Showdown Three. Um, All of a sudden, tidbit doesn't sound so fucking bad. Uh, well, I don't know about that. Um, later on that year, five months down the line, um, Silverdale Showdown 4 uh, on the 23rd of August 2013. Uh, again, sort of like a, you know, a mix of matches, sort of three singles, three title and or other matches, I suppose you could say. Um, was this also a four and two card? Um I'll be honest, I have no idea. This falls under one of those shows where we've not got any footage of it. Okay, okay. Um, there's three or four shows that we've got very minimal footage on. So but this uh, show was filmed by a guy that seemed to own a company. I'm trying to not swear. I don't know if you can tell I'm gritting my teeth. Oh, we can tell. And he was like, no problem, mate. And he did the last one. Yeah, he did throughout the showdown three, which was perfectly fine but out of focus at times but for the most part yeah. not bad this one the, fo- the footage corrupted there's very little of this that remains and i'm absolutely gutted Ooh, i mean these things happen technology will be technology um so opening again not with the g6 division um assuming this may have been a four and two that would put for this uh, event the g6 as the f- first half finale which not a terrible way to go into the intermission, uh, but opening with a tag team match, um, Battle Squad Awesome, uh, which is Danny Chase and Dave Andrews against Barricade and Lucas Black. Yeah, now this is one of those uh, moments where we had we had someone pull out on the morning of the show. Now, now that's not a scary thought because we've got a really good network. Um, someone pulls out. If I rang you two in a panic, oh guys, such and such has pulled out. I'm sure even you two could both, both go, what about this guy? What about this guy? Because you yeah. know your people. You know enough about the area that some of these people live in. You know, you, you've, got your, you, you've got your own networks as well, you know. But at this point, 2013, we, I didn't have that. So it was like, oh, shit. Now, it was meant to be Battle Squad Awesome, which I absolutely love, versus Lucas Black and, let me think of his name, Flex Buffington of iCandy. They were a bit of a up himself, pretty boy kind of tag team. Okay. And Flex Buffington pulled out on show day. Can't remember the reason why he pulled out, but he did. He rang me. It's about nine in the morning. Hey, mate, I'm so sorry. I can't be there. And I didn't have a network. So I said, well, who do I know in the Nottingham area? Because they're, they're from the Nottingham car. Yeah. Give give Barricade a call. I was like, cool. Have you got his number? He's, he's his number. So I gave Barry a call. I've said, cool, I'm there, mate. I'll see you later. I'll jump in the Nightingale car. Yes, fantastic. Bit of a weird pairing, Lucas Black and Barricade, but we needed someone, both Nottingham, both heel. Let's put it in. Now, there's like a running joke, because this is Barricade's debut, 
Okay. Um, they were calling him Barry Cade, Cade. rather than Barricade. Just oh, it's, it's just a bloke named Barry. Like that doesn't sound intimidating in any way, shape, or form. I mean, no, yeah. You know what I mean, but it, it it worked. It got it got us through. We needed someone in, in that spot. So, and bar- you know, barricade mate, you know, got a good few um, gigs out of us after that by putting in a good showing and jumping in and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it, it, it did as well as it could. So, Battle Squad awesome went over in this one. Very fun, very flashy. One dresses like Captain America. The other dresses like Iron Man. They're fantastic. Fair play, fair play. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was going to sort of like, you know, make a joke about Mr. Barry Cade. Um, but uh, clearly everyone else beat me to it. So uh, that's, a, that's a damn shame. Uh, not that I would say that to his face because he's a very, he's a very imposing guy. Um, do you, I mean, do you I mean, know what he does for, for the living, perchance? I don't. He's a bus driver. Could you imagine getting yeah. on a bus and seeing Barricade behind that plexiglass? Uh, I mean, if he's behind a plex, uh, to be fair, the, the, you know, the, the strength of him, I don't think the plexiglass would be uh, much of a much of a uh, a barricade. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, indeed. Uh, <sighs> also, I know. Thank you. I'm here all night. Um, so the next one is a singles match: L.J. Heron defeating Joseph Connors. With with me. So this is my final showing. Uh-huh. Who were you, um, uh, you representing? I, I was representing Joseph Connor, so one half okay. of the Predators. So again, continuity. Me and Violet have been with the Predators. Uh, Violet is with Paul Malin, who's in this sort of uh, penultimate match of the night. Yep. Uh, I, I went with with Joe Connors. Now Alger Heaven, really funny guy, like exceptionally funny guy. And I said to him, "This is one of those like organic moments. You're in Stoke," and he said, "Well, what what song would you sing in Stoke?" I said, "Well." You got two teams, Port Vale and um, uh, Stoke City. Don't the one, the one it's named after. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he says, "Well, what name me a song that one of those would sing?" I said, "Well, can you sing Delilah?" He said, "Well, of course, fuck yeah, I'll sing Delilah." So Dale Harvey, the announcer, is not a singer. He's kind of like me; he does not sing. He, that's just not his forte at all. So. Myself, Joseph Connors come walking out. RJ Heron comes out. He, he gets on the mic with Dale, kind of arm in arm, so Dale can't run off. And he makes them both sing Delilah. And there's a picture, because there's photos of the show, but there's no footage, mm-hmm. of Dale Harvey giving the camera a, I'm looking through this camera, looking at Phil, whose idea <laughs> it is. I fucking hate you, Phil. I mean, that but, sounds about right. Yeah, but but you know what I mean? when it's live, you can't do it. You you get you get confidence. This your balls turn to the size of space hoppers on show day. There's nothing you can't do. So chuck them at the deep end. They start singing Delilah, and um, yeah, nice, nice little nice little moment. I've got to say, was this the first time that someone had sang their own entrance? Obviously not the last time because uh, <laughs> Mr. Magnificent Matt Brooks is yeah, he, he, uh, did, he didn't. For. He didn't say he did, this wasn't singing his entrance. He came out to oh okay. It's something a bit more upbeat. I can't remember what the song is. And uh, then, but it, but, just sang the yeah. island. Okay. It's, yeah. Um, now I'm I'm with Joseph Connors at this point. Now bear in mind this is what this is my sixth show that I've promoted under the Person View banner, mm-hmm. and ego is creeping in a little bit because I've got my own promotion and I'm still at this point probably getting booked elsewhere for a couple of different promotions like the um, pro wrestling Premier League and all this sort of stuff. 
So my head is my head is filling up badly, yep. really badly at this point. So I Not think that I've ever seen that happen. No, but I, I think I'm bulletproof at this point. So I'm doing my usual managerial stuff, you know, the typical manager stuff that you do. Getting yep. in cheap shots when the ref doesn't look, strangling the baby face in the ropes. It's, it's natural and as you've seen it a million times as you can get. Now at this point, I'm very oh, I'm very loud anyway. My voice carries a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm overshadowing. This is one thing that managers need to learn to do. I am overshadowing the match. I am stealing the heat. Yeah. I just thought my job was to get as much heat as, as it was. I didn't quite realize what I was doing. I wasn't pushing the heat onto the person that I represent. I just wanted ought to soak in all that heat to get in the back and be like, yes, I'm so hated. I'm so hated. And this is my company. And that's just not the case. To the point that about six or seven minutes into this match, Joe, Joseph Connors comes alongside the ring, tries to say it enough that only I can hear what the crowd can hear because I have to shut up enough to hear it. Yep. He says, Phil, stop stealing the fucking heat. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> Told me off on my own show. In my and own rightly show. so. And right, and yeah, and rightly so. Absolutely rightly Absolutely. so. Absolutely. So I, 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 had, I had a snip on this show. And I was like, oh, okay. Boom. Learned a very valuable lesson. Um, yep. Yeah, and it's all my own fault. By the way, I'm not blaming Joe for anything. Like, it was right. I was just like soaking all the heat. I didn't know how to pass that on. So, yeah, got, got told off on my own show. Fair play, fair play. Um, next up, you had another singles match. So again, sort of like slightly breaking from Silverdo Showdown three in terms of the alternating types of matches. Uh, Jack Birchall uh, against Alex Gracie. Yeah, now um, Alex Gracie used to wrestle as Alex Chaos. I think he was on Showdown one and or two. Pretty certain it's both. Mm, yeah, relatively certain it's, it's both. Now, Jack Birchall. Yeah, so Jack Birchall went on to be, I think he just wrestles under the name Birchall now. He does own his own wrestling school called the Barracks. Big shout out to the Barracks. I know that's mm-hmm. going to surprise people to hear me saying that, but it is what it is. Didn't own it at this point, but he did go on to own it. And yeah. uh, wrestle with both Army United Wrestling, both really good guys. Um, still using the United Wrestling ring at this point, so I still must have been on really good terms with United Wrestling. And yeah, both both good guys, both you know, good dependable guys. Not much to say from the match. It was just it was it was just kind of so, eight ten minutes there. Solid singles match. Yeah, yeah, that is fair. Uh, of course, then it was kind of the the appetizer for the uh, G six division title match. Uh, Mark Morgan defending his newly shiny title um, against Max Angelus. Yeah, now. No one's going to believe this in any way, shape, or form. So when people comment on AEW and WWE, they say, oh, I can't believe that you know, the, the, that person dropped this belt this soon or this late or to that person or under this circumstance. Now, it happens in every company in the world, whether it's a small little piss pot, whether it's AEW, whether it's New Japan, shit happens, you just go with it. And this is one of those shit happens, just got to deal with it moments that we just kind of had to deal with. And if, if I'm okay. right in saying... Um, Mark Morgan, I, I think he may have pulled out. Uh, I want to. I thought he pulled out to this show. This is what makes it really confusing. Um, 
I will say but, he's not on the next show. Yeah. Um, so it could be the next. It could be the next one you're thinking of if he, if he if it was a non-appearance. Yeah, this is this is kind of what I'm thinking. So Mark Morgan retains the G6 title over Max and Jalis. Now Max and Jalis, if you see a picture of this guy, he is the very definition of a cocky, pretty boy wrestler. He just looks like it. You'd look at him and go, I bet he's a wrestler. You wouldn't think he does Excel spreadsheets for a living or anything like that. He looks like, like me then. Skipping over that. <laughs> <laughs> had, to, had to say it, guys. Had to say it. I mean, you go from craft to crufts. So, come on. There's like one I'll letter take, difference. Give me that. I'll, I'll take you. I'll take you to the championship. I don't mind. Uh, I mean, I've, I've still got the uh, a championship that I won from Mr. Daniel Terry in the loft somewhere. Our little... The cardboard uh, belt that we coloured in with felt tips That's whilst at work, like children. I'm, 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 a, I'm a four-year champion. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows, like, literally no one knows what that means apart from me and you. And we're never, we're never going to explain it. We're going to leave it there. Nor will but... that belt ever be uh, recontested, which is exactly. an irony. So... <laughs> Since I got sacked, I didn't with anymore. But uh, it's fine. So, yes, really good match. Mark, superb, really finding his feet as a baby face. Max Angelis, really great here. Like, he's such a smart... People talk about smart people in wrestling, but Max ne- Max's name never comes up. He, is, he knew what to do, when to do it, and when not to do it. He's su- yes. such a great talent. Now, would it be fair to say, because again, one of the, 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 the many plaudits that I uh, associate with Mark Morgan of modern day is that he's got a very good ear, something which, again, sort of I'm taking from words out of Phil's mouth here, but he's got a very good ear for the crowd, uh, knows kind of like, you know, when to bring it down a notch, knows when to push it up. Would it be fair to say that this was potentially, again, sort of like a really good matchup for Mark's development in terms yes. of that element of things? Yeah, because Mark didn't have the ear that you would think he would have at this point. Because we did say on the last episode that it took me a while to get Mark on my shows because he was at risk of hurting himself. Yeah. It wouldn't, wouldn't ever hurt the crowd, wouldn't ever hurt his opponent, but he would take risks that didn't need to be taken. And I didn't want that under my watch. Like he would fall off a ladder through a table at ringside. Don't need to do that. He would take a cane shot from me and told me just stick it in. I was like, all right, cool. Didn't need, didn't need to take that. And I, I lent into that. I mean, he said, he said, do it. So I did it. Didn't want to do it, but sure, sure. Yeah, genuinely, <laughs> genuinely, like he will back me up on this. I, I tried to pull out of doing that. He wanted me to do it three times. I did it once, okay. and then shut the, shut the cane down because I refused to do two more. So nice guy after all. But yeah, Mark hadn't developed his ear at this point, but you could tell he was getting there. He was making better decisions. Fair, fair. Absolutely fair. Um, which, which, again, is why I'm wounded that this match and this show doesn't exist in the archives, because, again, two great guys really both coming up, elevating yeah. each other, and you've got no proof of that. Indeed. Um, speaking of uh, elevating, obviously elevating a storyline from the previous show is the next match, a singles match between Paul Malin and Sam Bailey. Yes, yeah, so Paul Malin with Violet Vendetta. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we were kind of... Obviously, at this point, keeping that foursome going, Joe, Paul, myself, Violet. Um, Paul being the typical cocky, villainous veteran that he is, he, I think he, it's a bit of a dirty win on this one. So Sam gets cheated again. Yeah. Um, 
Paul carrying his, the, you know, the briefcase around. It's a bright, luminous red briefcase. Now, that's one thing I am so proud of because it was beautiful. I had a really good artist draw it. You would not be able to tell the difference between that case and a WWE case. It was drawn that good. It was pristine. It wasn't some flimsy little plastic thing like some people use. It was a big metal like it was like a gun case, you know, yeah. like a big, solid, sturdy thing. Um, carrying that round with him just to rub it in people's faces, he can he can cash in at any point. Again, Paul Malin, just superb, absolute superb. Mm. There we go. Uh, and again, speaking of uh, absolutely solid people, um, the finale to this was, uh, as it's written here, uh, a PWF World Title match. Yep, this is uh, with your favourite wrestler in the entire world. With my favourite wrestler in the entire world, Babyface Pitbull, uh, uh, against uh, someone who I have a hell of a lot of respect for, Styx. Yeah, now, again, there wasn't really a storyline for Styx to come in. It was one of those, do it from cold and see what happens. So Dale Harvey used to work with Styx over in Nottingham, that Nottingham Derby, House of Pain, Hope Wrestling kind of way. I said, look, Styx wants to get on the show. Dale, can you film a promo with him setting up the, the open challenge to Pitbull? We've not got a story. Let's just make it happen. And yeah, really fantastic match. This, this again, this is a, another reason why I'm wounded this doesn't uh, exist. Yeah. They, bro- they broke the slats to the tier of where people sit in Silverdale. Do you know those like those like banisters? Yeah, the, the, uh, the railings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Styx shoves Pitbull, like just kind of like gives him a big old shove. Pitbull hits it with his back, breaks, I think it's two slats. Um, yeah. He's got slats. <laughs> he's, he's got I a mean, bit of a habit for breaking things at that venue, hasn't he? Yeah, he's uh, broken things in Silverdale twice, and the slats were one of them. Yep. And uh, both both to do a pit bull. Who knew? Who knew? Mm. I mean, it was, a, it was a really solid match. I mean, both guys really went for it. Sticks is is he's a mountain of a man anyway. Yes. Uh, like, like a guy I've infamous, infamous. That's not the word. Infinite. That's the word. Respectful. Really great guy. Always been so nice to me whenever he's seen me. And baby face pit bull. You know, a great baby face champion for us. Um, really great solid match. I will say uh, again, if you are in the Nottingham area, um, really good trainer. Really, yeah, sort of yeah. like, you know, really good trainer. Uh, I can speak that from experience. Um, I have got before you move on to the. Oh. Yeah, I've got a little. Is it another titbit? It is a titbit. How did I not? Oh, don't matter. Okay. <laughs> now, I've I've put this in articles sometimes. I have talked about it on a couple of um, shows, none of ours, but I on other people's shows and bits and pieces. Now, have you both heard the gingerbread Jenga incident? Now, not my dog. But my dog's named Gingerbread. Nothing to do with him. This is years before he, he was even born. But have you both heard of the infamous pro wrestling for you gingerbread Jenga incident? See, now I'm intrigued. Right. So what's one thing that pro wrestling for you does that other people don't do at their shows? Then what do we have in our locker room? Oh, muchos, muchos snacks. Muchos snacks. And this is no different. I mean, we've been doing it since early doors. And the Silverdale Working Men's Club 
locker room, changing room downstairs is filled full of lots of plunder, lots of shit. There's tea sets, there's bowling sets, there's swords, there's just filing cabinets, fucking low everything that you can imagine. Yep. And the, the usual working men's shit. Yes. Uh, working men's club plunder. I quite like that. Yeah, we now, have covered this at various events. It lives here in a small <laughs> yes. contained area. Now, now, at this point, there is a giant Jenga set downstairs. Big wooden blocks, like like big one-foot length uh, blocks. You know, big, giant, heavy Jenga. So I'm, I go out for my match. I'm trying to be out front a little bit. I'm unfortunately blending that line between being on the show and being out front, kind of in character, kind of me. Blah. So I'm not in the back all that much. I think I did my match with... Joe, I'd got gone through to the to the interval. I'd gone out front, seated some bits and pieces. When I came back to start the second half, they had built a giant Jenga set in the just in the doorway. So when you come down and go around that corner and go into the changing room, it's quite a narrow corridor, then it thickens out a little bit. In that narrow corridor bit, there's a giant um like it looks like it looks like the shard. Really pointy at the top. So very top light. Bear that in mind. So this this is maybe six foot tall, seven foot tall. Base really good, really well built. And then they started running out of blocks and just made it really flimsy. So that, that they are end to end. Not whip to whip, end to end like that. So and it's teetering. Now at this point, there's a photography, sh- uh, photography shoot setup where it usually is downstairs. There's 15 or 20 wrestlers all in that cramped, stinky space. And it's hot. It smells like protein farts. You you both know what it's like. Yeah. So I come down. To, right, you guys, we're, we're going to start the second half. Now, one half of eye candy, um, I thought his name was, uh, Lucas Black, had taken a picture with his knob out on top of the Jenga set. Standard. And... But he did it so that you didn't know what you were looking at. He looked like he was just stood behind it. And then you go, whoa, 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 whoa. What? And he had his knob out. <laughs> Apologies, Luke, if you were listening to this. Now, oh, it gets worse. Now, Joseph Connors had um, kind of minded his own business for a little bit. He comes up to the Jenga set. Now, I've said, I've said it's six or seven foot tall and very top light. Mm-hmm. So he starts taking a brick out from the very, very bottom. Like, I'm trying to pull out one of the corner legs. Now, you both know where this is going. Now, mm-hmm. everybody in that room went pin drop quiet. You could hear the crowd upstairs, but no one moved. It was like pure silence. He pulls the corner leg out. The, like, a structure, there's loads he could have taken, but he took that one. Pulled it out. Now, his hand is flat on the floor. because He pulled it out and tried to edge it with his palm. The very top of this tower, slow motion, toppled off and hit the very tips of his <gasps> fingers. Yes. Now, it's called the Gingerbread Jenga incident. It's because once they'd finished building with the blocks, they took some of the biscuits that I had provided <laughs> and put some gingerbreads <laughs> all over this tower. But this solid wooden block hit Joe on the very tips of his fingers, like instantly bruised the ends of two of his fingers. Joe loses his fucking mind. Ah, fuck's sake! Grabs this block, 
Now, you know how, na- how narrow that changing room corridor is. Yes. There's the big lights for the photography shoot set up. There's 10, 15 people in the way. Joe launches this block from one end of the room through everybody and hits the back wall while he's holding his hand in and how it didn't hit anybody, how it didn't hit any of the, the, the bulbs in those lights are very expensive. Yeah, they ain't cheap. The, the ceiling height is very, very low down there anyway. It missed everybody and everything. And we were just all like trying to not laugh because he's hurt himself. But, oh, it was good. It was so good. Days. I mean, yeah. the, the some of the shenanigans that go on in those dressing rooms are, uh, are interesting. There's uh, obviously... Uh, for those who, uh, if you do have a Progressing For You On Demand uh, subscription, uh, www.pwfuondemand.co.uk or go to the Progressing For You, pwfu.co.uk website. You can find all the links there. Um, the more recent shows have had uh, some backstage um, interview type uh, things, sort of like, you know, pre and post matches uh, with, with myself. Uh, but to do that, the, photo- the uh, videographer is upstairs taping the matches themselves which means that the downstairs camera is left on permanently <laughs> yep that there is uh, one more tidbit to this show oh I, I refuse to change the word it's a tidbit Fair now you're a these thing, yeah these things are still there have you seen the like two wooden chalk a boards downstairs yeah the easels yeah they're like two little kids a boards easels whatever you want to call them and we were still opening at seven, starting at eight, because that's what I you knew, what I was kind of like used to. Yep. And I'd wrote on these two big chalkboards, and there's a, there's like an infamous picture somewhere of this one. Uh, doors open at seven, uh, show starts at eight. Now, if someone had chalked on this, but not till I didn't discover this until maybe halfway into the show, someone had written on one of the chalkboards, Keith's, so it reads, Keith's back doors open <laughs> 7 p.m. And it had been there all, like for most of the show and probably most of the day, but because I'm in and out like a blue arse fly, I didn't notice. But the photographer lady came downstairs, um, saw these, and said, yep, get a picture of that. And every, like once a year, every year, <laughs> I, like, I'll, I'll tag Keith in it and be like, Are the back door's still open, Keith, piss off. I mean, the poor bloke wasn't even on the show to defend himself. Yep. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, to be fair, if that's not showing status as a local legend, that you're not on the show yet, you're still referenced. Yeah. Fair play. Fair play. Um, <laughs> indeed. I mean, also one one thing, obviously, with the uh, with this show again, something I'm I'm starting to notice. One of Pros and Fuse mantras, I suppose, is that you know we're there to entertain. We're not there to take ourselves or the wrestling seriously. We're there to have a laugh. We're there to give the crowd a good time, make them giggle along with us or at us. We don't mind which. Um, obviously, you know, you've had a dance off. You've had um, Heron coming out and singing Delilah. Would it be fair to say that this is probably the start of that trend of you kind of realizing as a promoter and sort of maturing and going, yeah, it's not all about the wrestling. It's about the shenanigans that happen alongside the wrestling, sometimes yeah. in the middle of the wrestling. Um, those mean, little, those little memorable moments of of just complete and utter daftness that are nothing. You know, you'd expect to see. You know, you you, you could equally see again uh, one of your. Um, I, I would I would say it's fair to say, um, inspirations bottom. Um, yeah. Uh, Aid Edmondson and and uh, Rip Mail bless him. 
Um, you know, sort of that kind of proper slapstick nonsense and daftness that you just laugh at because it's there. It's just completely out of context, which makes yeah. it funnier. I mean, whatever you grow up watching, whatever you enjoy, you create, you know? Mm. So I'm very fortunate that the shows that we put on where we've, we've had dance-offs, we've had uh, bummings, we've had uh, like so much. I mean, the, um, the two cool dance-off, the um, gladiator pugil stick, just daftness here, there and everywhere. I'm so fortunate that the person for your audience goes along with it with 99% of it and that they enjoy it and they go, okay, we're into this. Um, I, I couldn't have asked for a better audience. So we've, yeah, we try to do one thing daft on every show, something a bit silly, a bit of a let me, a bit of a let me up. Hmm. Um, just a bit, bit of humor, you know, funny will always draw money and it, it'll be something that people go home talking about. You know, yeah. they, they, they won't necessarily go home talking about a five-star technical masterclass but they will go home talking about you know someone getting hit in the face with a frying pan so yeah. it's again stolen right out of bottom that's the, out the rip mail playbook oh yeah yeah i think you were really well thought when you said like i think it was backstage at one point you said like the westernized world is more into gimmicks and the the funniest side of wrestling whereas the eastern side of the world is more into the technical side of things and it really yeah. show yeah, it's it's worked really well for us, especially like I've seen, like you said, the the, the rear-ending incidents, the dance-offs. Um, yeah, Carrot Gate. Carrot Gate. Well, you, obviously you've got to, you've got to kind of pick your moment. I mean, we we never overshadow because we don't want the entire thing to be slapstick. We don't want the yeah. entire thing to be an episode of Some Others Do Have Them or Mr. Bean. But there's always at least two or three things. I mean, if you look at Oscar Mania two. Geordie Stew entrance, very tongue in cheek. You would yep. call it Mark Morgan Skidmark and all that sort of thing. You had changing Purview uh, Paul James's music on his entrance. Um, you had drill with the the bucket of chicken that turned into a bucket of carrots, which turned into a carrot in the ass. There's there's always always two or three four things that people know were a comedy uh, promotion. We we, we take, you take the business very seriously. You know we're very oh, yeah. professional. We we cross all T's and dot all I's and all that sort of stuff. But someone called us the Monty Python of pro wrestling one time, and I can't think of a better analogy That's than a that. Like, like, I'll take it, you know what I mean? Because yeah. like, you know, there's, there's, you've got your serious promotions that do a lot of strong style. You've got your, uh, your old school British um, promotions that do still do rounds. We want a bit of comedy. We That's, yeah. that's our niche. That's that's what we're known for so yeah we've never yeah. taken ourselves too seriously but at the same time we like you say we do dot our t's and cross our eyes oh yeah i mean there was the thing there's a difference between, <laughs> between doing i was waiting for you to finish up on that one then i, I just skipped back. i mean look we've already had t- we've already had tidbits all episodes so i was just letting it go um you know it's sort of like we, we you know we, we book you know good talent and you know from a wrestling standpoint they are good they are brilliant they are technically well trained you know able to perform at a really decent good level but then we also asked them to put in something a bit more personality wise and a bit yeah. more daft and a bit more maybe out of the ordinary from other promotions and i think that's good for, i say a it's good for our audience our audience love it b i think it's also probably good for the wrestlers because it is a bit of something different for them to do as well yeah. you know not not everyone's open to it but I, I think that the more people that 
you know, without blowing around trumpet too much, the more people that you know sort of like come to know of Pro Wrestling Few and sort of get to hear those stories about Pro Wrestling Few's crowds and how genuinely awesome they are and how much they have a laugh, how much they they get on board with all the daftness and the reactions it gets. I think that starts to make the talent kind of go, yeah, okay, I'll yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll go a little bit out of my comfort zone for a, for a, for a giggle and. I mean, it it just works so well. I mean, yeah. how many how many other sort of like you know promotions can you have a HR manager coming on and telling the wrestlers off about doing dangerous stuff and then doing dangerous stuff? Yeah, <laughs> we've got a unique selling point with PWPU, and that's probably probably part of the reason I've stayed around for what almost ten years, nearly. Yeah, fair play. Yeah. Um. Again, so yeah, again, this is uh, if I'm not mistaken, sort of like you know Silverdale Showdown f- five. Yes. <laughs> I've got so many tabs open. <laughs> um, he doesn't mean LSD, kids. Just putting that one out there. Correct. Uh, good old internet browser tabs. Yep. Uh, this is but, this is the last show of 2013. It is, yeah. So on the 6th of December, just a couple of days after my birthday, um, Pro Wrestling for you, back at Silverdale. Silverdale Showdown 5. Uh, again, a six-match six card. Uh, again, three singles matches and then three other matches, uh, so to speak. Uh, obviously, no G6 on this one. Now, you mentioned that you think there was one that Mark Morgan had to pull out of. Yeah. Um, see, th- this show is is the infamous show. Um, I mean, I can say that about a lot of our shows. You're going to have to elaborate. Uh, now, so up to this point, I'd been working with uh, with United Wrestling. I had a really good working relationship with them. I hadn't done their shows this year. Because Matt Castle was booking their shows. I wanted control over it. I my ego couldn't deal with that. So I left United Wrestling. <clears throat> but I still maintain good relationship with Richard Lees of United Wrestling. So we still use their ring. Now at this point, <clears throat> I did I didn't I kind of wanted to sever that relationship. I wanted to be done. I wanted them to go do their thing and me to do my thing, to be two separate companies. And uh free BWA trainees that I used to train with had bought a ring. A guy named Tom, a guy named Mark, and a guy we called Bones because he was about six stone and all he was was Bones. Fair enough. So Bones bought the ring. We'd, we'd all left, I mean, we'd all left BWA at this point. I mean, BWA had closed up at this point and we, we wanted to carry on trading and all this sort of thing. So Bones bought the ring. He's like he spent a couple grand on this ring. He stored it at Tom's house. Now, this is where things get a bit weird. So he stored at Tom's house, and in this, I want to call it an outhouse. Realistically, it was a shed, a dank shed. Now, Just what you want boards in. Yep, exactly. And um, so this would have been early summer. So maybe June. um, It would have been after after the last show, maybe. Uh, So maybe not long after August. Okay. uh, Somewhere there. Um, so I went up to Tom's house, uh, saw the ring, and it's beautiful. Brand new ring, absolutely everything. The, the boards are new, the pads are new, the, the turnbuckles are new, the ropes are new. Beautiful, great craftsmanship, all stuff like that. And it makes me sound a bit sad, but beautiful, beautiful. Not and all. All, st- all stored in this shed. And, in, and it's summer, yeah, it was still August, still that. So it's all beautiful, it's all in the shed, it's perfectly fine. And by the time this show rolls around at the very start of December, it's been in the shed for four months. Rain had gotten in, snow had gotten in, 
and the boards were sodden like the boards had rotted the every pad was covered in like a thick tar like sludge now bear in mind i'd gone and met i think it was tom and mark the two guys that didn't buy the ring but tom that did store the ring i didn't meet bones after um Met both of them in Weatherspoons in Castle. Sorry, Chris. Well, I said I said the W word. Um, met them in Castle. Did a deal with them. I like said, cool. I said, uh, you know, cool. This this is the show date. Got a really good deal. Brand new ring. Cool. We'll see you then. Didn't think anything of it. So then the ring shows up. It's about early afternoon, maybe 12, 1, somewhere there. Now, we hadn't seen the ring since August. Uh, hadn't, they hadn't got it out because they got nowhere to set it up because it's a fucking 16 foot ring the garden yeah. wasn't big enough to set it up so they just left it in the shed they hired a van they loaded it into the van in the worst state humanly possible shows up to the Silverdale Working Men's Club and we cannot believe our eyes at this point it's shit like I would struggle to find a ring on show day now Without going to Unite Wrestling and with my tail between my legs at this point, you know. Yeah. So we drag it into the venue and we say, look, we'll clean everything down. And the boards are last. You know, the board drawers at the bottom, they, yeah, it's yeah. the irons and then it's the pads on top. Yeah. We'll drag it in, we'll clean it up, it'll be good. So we drag the ring in, it's sodden, it's soaking, it stinks. It's there's just like a thick tar, like sludge to everything. Then we get the boards in. Now, the boards have been sat for four months in rainwater. Now, the boards are strong, you know, like the mm. wrestling ring boards are fucking strong. They're decent. Not, not, they're decent, thick ply. Yeah, but not when they've been you know, soaked in water for four fucking months. So we dragged the boards in. Now, our DJ for this show was a guy called Kev Parton that both me and you, Dan, have worked with. Um, yep. Chris, you would have been doing the, still doing the lights at this point. So Kev was DJing for this show. Yeah, I think no, he was filling Kev. in. Yeah, I think he was filling in for, for Josh at this point. And Kev is thinner than Chris. He was maybe seven stone, eight stone tops. Kev walks on one of the boards on a flat surface, bear this in mind, and Kev goes through the board. So it's not like there's a gap underneath, so you're creating a pressure. It was on the stage, and Kev went through the board. Now, at this point, we're getting on for... Three o'clock, four o'clock, somewhere in that kind of gap on a Friday night. Yeah. So time is ticking. So I start losing my shit. I start saying to to Mark and to to Tom, you need to go to home base and get new boards. You just they are it's a 16 foot ring, so you need eight by four boards. They go to home base in the van and leave us to clean the ring. So I'm there, Kev's there. I think Chris would have been there. Mark, um, Chris's partner in yeah. the company, was there. Maybe a couple yeah, of the wrestlers. Uh, you know, some of the wrestlers were showing up. The When you buy the, a brand new ring, the rope is all one rope. It's, it's not cut into three. Yeah. So we had to re-feather the rope. So it kind of tethered it and cut it up. It goes through a joist in one of the corners. We, we were scrubbing every pad, every turnbuckle, just every, like, we went through a million baby wipes. You know, it was just ridiculous. A million yeah. wet, wet paper towels from the, the Silver Working Men's Club uh, toilets. And 
bit, it's sometime about half five, Mark and Tom come back with the boards. And like, oh, we've got the boards, all eight by fours. They've even cut, because you know, in the corners, a notch has to come out. Yeah, for the, for the yeah. Uh, posts. Yeah. Yeah. And they've even cut the, the notches out. Like, oh, thank God for that. Now, it's not plywood, because plywood needs to bend. You know, you're taking bumps, there's a spring in the ring, plywood's got to bend. They've bought the, the can of wood that Argos makes its cheap wardrobes out of. MDF? Yeah. Yeah, they bought MDF. Oh. They bought um, cheap wood, essentially. Yeah. So, uh, solid, doesn't bend, doesn't move MDF. Good, doesn't good. Brand, which yeah, is why you brand. use it for furniture. Mm. Yeah. And then, and the, you know what happens when you put MDF, MDF on a bounceable surface and you put pressure on it. What do you, what do you reckon happens? Uh, other than a very loud rattling noise, um, as it's probably bouncing up and down off the metal that isn't giving, mm-hmm. there's probably some cracks appearing. Yep. Yeah. Now, you've got the irons that run the length of the, length of the ring. You've got mm-hmm. the, the, wood, the wood on top. And then you got the pads, yeah. yeah. And then you got the canvas, so that would be like a sandwich, yeah, right. And one of the wrestlers on the show said, "You know what? It'll be okay. We'll all take it easy. Just tell people just bump very lightly, or don't bump at all. Just roll." I've just seen two of the people that are on this show. (laughs) Yep. Oh, we 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 we'll get into that point. Um, Yeah. Welcome to our world, Dan. (laughs) This is the show that we had. Yeah. Now, bear in mind, this is half five, getting off at six o'clock. We're letting in at seven. Um, fans had already started coming and lining up because that, that's what they did at that point. Yep. And so we, we, we're faced with very few options. So, like, I think it might have been Dylan Roberts said, you know what, just just do it. We'll make it work. Everything will hold. The mats will and the iron will hold the wood. You'll be good. The, at least no shards will come through because it just disintegrates. It's not yeah. going to split. Yeah. So we said, okay. Let's we'll do it. So we put it all together. Dylan Roberts jumps in, um, does some rolls, does some bumps. We kind of we, we kind of get under the ring. What's he done? What's he done? What's he done? Oh, nothing. Oh, you know what? Maybe it'll all be all right on the night. Famous last words. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we just had to go with it. We had no options. We had no other way of doing it. So. Yeah, on with the show. So that was the, the ring palaver done with. Indeed. Uh, and the show, of course, opened up with a tag team match. Um, can I interject there? That was can. a ring palaver done until half time. Yeah, I, I was going to get to that point when Dan gets to that point. I mean, it's not like Chris to be premature. Oh, well, indeed. Um, but yeah, so you had uh, the return of Battle Squad Orsham. Crofty, crofty Chris. Um, I'm going to end up sort of like you know announcing some extra names well, on, uh, do, on November when we go back. On this show. Christopher mm-hmm. Money Penny Croft Strawn, who works at Bottlecroft. I mean Bottlecraft. <laughs> uh, indeed. So of course, tag team match: Battle Squad Awesome, the return of uh, Dana Chase and Dave Andrews uh, versus Paul Malin and, as known back then, Jürgen Heimlich. Yes. Now, this is meant to be Battle Squad Awesome versus the Predators. Now, I've removed myself from this show. I am done at this point. Mm. Um, obviously, there's no way I could have done it with everything that me and Chris were having to deal with on this show. There's no way I could have performed. Never yeah. in a million years. But I, I didn't even bring my suit. Was not fussed. Um, got put in my place. I'm done. I'm good. So it's meant to be, yeah, Paul Mayle and Joseph Connors, the Predators versus Battle Squad Awesome. Um, I've got written down here, Joseph Khan has pulled out. Now, I think 
this is where Joseph Connors he got jumped on the way home from a nightclub. Oh, and he's got a bit. He's got a bit of his ear missing. The top of his ear is missing. Um, this is where he got. I'm pretty certain this is where he got jumped and lost part of his ear. Valid reason so, for yeah. pulling out, in fairness. Yep, you know I mean trauma to the head, damage to the head. You want to be don't be bumping. I get that. I get that. Yeah, understand um, completely. We ha- yeah, we had Jürgen Heimlich in our in our mind ready for the following summer. So again, this is one of those if Joe's you know, jumping out, he's from Nottingham. Who've we got in Nottingham? Jürgen Heimlich, the most, one of the most professional guys we, we've ever had on the shows. So mm-hmm. tell you what, I'll jump on. And there's an infamous picture from this show. He's being waist locked and being picked up. And he's doing it like a cat that's been that doesn't want to get picked up because he's just kind of like, ah! and that infamous picture got him bookings in other companies. I mean, it's it says a lot. And again, I've I've been on my high horse about this before, sort of like, you know, don't wrestle quiet, wrestle with your voice and wrestle with your face. You know, sort of like if you're being picked up like that, yeah, have a reaction. You know, you if you're about to take like, you know, a suplex. You are not going to want to take that suplex. Display that on yes. your face. <laughs> Ooh, there's one thing I've got to add. We we missed out on the end of the last show. So when it was Babyface, Pitbull, and Sticks, yeah, we always we always wanted to keep in people's minds that Paul Malin had the money in the van briefcase. So after uh, Pitbull had won, Malin with Valavendetta did rush out to the ring to try and capitalise. It didn't work. He got bailed, and he didn't cash in. Oh, okay. I forgot, to, I, forgot to, I forgot to mention that a little bit. So, kind so of like, didn't cash in, didn't cash in, but yeah. got his backside handed to him. Yeah, and it kept in people's minds, oh, that's what the case is for, that's what the case yeah, yeah. is for. Okay. Now, at this point, so Joe's not on the show, I'm not on the show. Um, Violet and Paul make a great combo. They work really well together. And Paul had his case. Now, we wanted Violet to have her own case as well like a miniature version of this case to be like Mr. and Mrs. kind of thing. Yeah. Now, I, I, I'd been to Barber College several years before, and I had a smaller version of the case that Paul Malin had. It's like a gun gun case, but a small one, maybe a foot long, something yeah. like that, but a solid metal case. Did that up absolutely pristine, one of the best money in the bank uh, cases you'll find anywhere, but miniature, about that big, handbag size, perfect for Violet Vendetta. So Paul comes out, Holds up his case. Violet comes out. Holds up her case. We're Mr. and Mrs. Money in the Bank. Just to keep rubbing it in and going a bit further. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Nice, um, nice. And Paul, Paul is tended to like be near the start of the shows. Not on the last one. But on this one, it made sense to make him bookend the shows. So he's at the very start. And then he comes out right at the end trying to cash in. Doesn't happen. So on and so forth. Makes sense. Again, that's like that little kind of like tease. And again, there's, there's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot to be said of having patience and kind of look, just 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 stringing on a little bit and a little yeah. bit and a little bit build that anticipation. Uh, yeah. But yeah, of course, you know Jürgen Heimlich, sort of like you know uh, one of um, otherwise known as uh, Jukin, uh, one of otherwise uh, known as Mark Lasek, otherwise known as Mark Lasek, indeed, uh, one of like the longest reigning champions that Prosen Few have had, uh, which again we'll we'll come to. He had a, a pretty epic reign. Does that yes. to be said? And again, sort of like, again, fantastic bloke, fantastic wrestler, really good. Yep, uh, I've, I've got I've got to chuck two more names in when he is the man of a thousand names. He now, is. When we when we've come to record this, I've recorded my episode with Duke and Jürgen Heimlich, Mark Lasek already. That's in the can, ready to to come out once yep. we finish doing these ones. 
So he, he had two other names. One was Mr. Harpoon, I do believe, for some reason. Okay. And there's one that we didn't mention on the episode. He goes under the name Cyril, which we're going to get to that point <laughs> when we get to that show. Which, again, because I never mentioned that in, in his episode, and I wish I did. But he, for one show, when one person for show went, went under the name Cyril. I love it. I absolutely love yeah. it. Um, but, yeah. Well, yes, yeah, so obviously, Mark, uh, Mark, also known as Duke, and also known as Ewan Hamlet at this point, yeah. he debuted, I think it's like six months early because we needed him to. He already knew in advance we wanted him for the World G Cup. But this is one of those, tell you what, mate, I'll do it for you. Perfect. Jump on in. Absolutely fine. And again, there's a lot to be said for sort of like, you know, those guys who were, you know, with that work ethic, hell of a lot. Um, and as you say, you know, sort of like from, from having that work ethic, jumping in six months early, sort of like, you know, doing it very much on the fly. The photo from this show got him bookings with other companies. Yeah. You're an up and coming wrestler, put in the work. So you can say, you never know when you're going to get spotted and by who. And, uh, and in the words of the infamous uh, Britney Spears, hashtag free Britney, got to work, bitch. Exactly. Thank you. Um, I'm going to say, my girlfriend is in the corner. She's just hit. <laughs> I do not blame her. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I, I was about to say, sort of like, you know, speaking of bitches, but I don't think I dare do that to, to Keith because uh, he will <laughs> he will clip me around the ear. Have, have you, wait, have you, have you just called, have you just compared Keith Myatt and my girlfriend to bitches? No, I was going to compare Keith Myatt to Britney Spears. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh. Hashtag free Keith. <laughs> <laughs> mate them balls are getting longer one, one of these days one of these balls is going to be free yeah, I, I, as I'm getting towards 40 I'm finding that out and there's a Kevin Hart skit where he his wife thinks he's got dice in his back pocket to out of his balls I, I feel that pain yeah okay uh, I mean I'm only a couple of years behind you I can't say much um, but of course, you know, speaking of uh, you know things coming loose, uh, I, I get the feeling that this next match is possibly going to be contributing to uh, Ringgate. Um, Keith Myatt and Barricade. Yeah, um, yes and no. You'd think so because obviously Keith's um, is a stout fellow. He's like me. He's got very broad shoulders. And um, uh, Barricade, big dude. Very big dude, you know, good six five, stocky guy, but neither of them particularly liked to bump. So I don't think it was this that the broke the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't think it was it was this. It was the following match, but yeah. this one itself was not it. No, indeed, uh, and again, sort of like you know, two 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 good blokes, two two good wrestlers. Um, yeah, so it's just more it's more of a brawl than anything else. I think at this point because we, I think. Um, I'm around ringside at this point. So after the first match had gone and the goal in the back, um, me and Chris are paying close attention to the boards. Now, Chris is on stage doing the light, so there's only so much he can do. Yep. I'm just very quickly just like lifting the ring skirts up, looking, looking, looking. Mm, it's all holding. It's good. We're good. I'm good. And yep. this is why I never relax at shows, because at this point, I go downstairs and have a cigar. <laughs> and whenever, whenever I relax, shit breaks. This is why I don't relax. Indeed. Uh, and again, sort of the, the next, the next singles match, um, Sam Bailey and Cyanide. Yep, all thirty-two stone of Cyanide and uh, the, the the lovely Sam Bailey. Did. So they did a dance off, and Cyanide actually participates in the dance off. Fair play. It, it's amazing. No, I didn't see this live. I was downstairs smoking. I'm like, oh, thank God. We've got away with it. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God. Yeah, because it's just stress and sweat. 
yep. up to that point to make sure we hit our time to open the doors. And um, yeah, it's, at that point, I'm outside smoking. So I missed the dance off and I get a text from a couple of people um, after this match is done saying, Phil, things gone through. I think it might have been Chris. Chris might have texted me or whoever it was. What a text was in Phil upstairs no, it now. It was me like full on stressing out. Like this is my third show with you guys by now. And I'm yeah. like, this is part of my team now. Like I need to sort this shit out. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> yeah. This is um, my name on the uh, <laughs> on the show as well. Let's yeah. sort this out really quickly. So this Phil, was fr- free intermission. Yes, this is free intermission free. So we tried it a bit different rather than four intermission two. Okay. We wanted to balance it up a little bit. So we tried free intermission free. Makes Plus, sense. this show is filled with, I don't want to say inconsistencies, but we had a few people pull out and a few yeah. instances that made this kind of, it happens on every show, but yeah. this is the first one where a good few people had caused the show to be very different to how we how we pl- planned. So, yeah. first two matches, Ring might have broke at the edges. It was fine. This one, 32 stones, it was cyanide. Not like he was bumping. Or just that weight stood upright, it's going to happen. And, uh, I, there's an irony to say that, you know, sort of like the bump probably would have been less pressure on the board. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like it's one of those like sort of weird twisted yeah, fates. Yeah, more so. easily distributed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, got, I think I got a text off Chris. Um, Phil, upstairs. I got a text off like it's about three or four people because it all came through like. Yeah, this is this is before five G and all this sort of stuff. Don't yep. always get a good signal in the Silver Working Men's Club. There's no Wi Fi signal there. Yeah, there's no Wi Fi, so I'm like, oh shit, because I'm outside smoking. I'm like, oh shit, so I run upstairs. Them two come through, and I I go upstairs as Sam and Cyanide come through the curtain and come through the back. Yeah, and Cyanide doesn't say anything. He says, "You're right, mate." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's cool." I've come running around the corner, and Sam Bailey says, "Yeah, it's fucked." <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, God, luckily we've gone to the interval at this point. So you can try and rescue it. Ish. I mean, there's one of my favorite pictures, even though it's from bad stuff that happened. There's an infamous picture of me and Chris. Now, Chris knows what this picture is. It's it's like grayscale. It's me and Chris lifting the ring up, like lifting the ring apron up at the very front. Yeah. And we can see that the board has disintegrated. Yeah, shout out to Samantha Jane uh, Sadler. Yes. For taking that photo, because that is one of our more glamorous moments, shall we say. Yeah. yeah. There's, a de- there's a definite look of me, of me with this massive Ace Ventura quiff. Like, I mean, it is big. Chris with his um, pedigree chum cup. <laughs> um, and well, no, but we're looking at each other. And we're both, because tr- the audience is right there at the front. We're at the front of the ring. So me and Chris have got like an unspoken language. Bear in mind, we, we'd seen each other two, three times, maybe. We maybe would have saw each other at a Jesse's gig, perhaps. But I've, I've known Chris three or four or five shows or three or four or five meetings. And I'm putting a lot on Chris at this point because I'm looking at Chris going, this is fucked. Chris is looking at me going, this is fucked. We both get under the ring at this point and we're looking at where's cracked. And we're like, oh, shit, it's right. I mean, obviously, it's going to be right in the middle where the spring is, where the most impact is. It's disintegrated to fuck. Now, me and Chris are, like, speaking to each other. Tom, one of the guy, the guy that stored the ring, slides under the ring at this point. 
Mark didn't slide under. Mark is a big dude. He's about 25 stone. He's not yeah. getting under that ring. At this point, now both of you guys, I'm not a violent guy. I don't like fighting. That's not me. Doesn't happen. Tom, who like had stored the ring, was maybe a foot in front of me under the ring going, oh, so we're, what are we going to do then? With a fucking smile on his face. And Joe, that noise from Kill Bill, that alarm. Yeah. Mm, 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 I was like, yeah. I'm like oh. I might punch this guy in the fucking face. <laughs> like it was, it was like a real moment of like, just. The, yeah. the oh, are you kidding me? I mean, it's... to be fair, if and again, sort of like this, this, this is what I say. Like you know, we are, we are a very professional company. If things go wrong, we try and fix them. If you know, sort of like you know, we, we we'll make jokes about it after, but in the moment, it's very much right. This is a problem. This is a solution. What do we need to do? Game faces on. Thinking caps on. Right. Okay. We'll do this. And this is kind of like straight to action. We'll make jokes after. Because afterwards, it's fine to make jokes. Yeah. At the time of yeah. it happening, a big grin like that is not. I, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm right with you. I'm right with and you. It was a proper shit-eating grin. Yeah, yeah. It's that. It's that's the reason. Like me and Phil have got this. Like we can have a conversation with our eyes because one, Phil's promoter. Two, I'm a roadie, so I can go like, Luke, things are getting fucked up. <laughs> Phil yeah. knows as a promoter again, like, yeah, things are getting fucked up. That's why we've got this like unspoken sort of like, we can do this, but mm. we need to f- sort of sort this shit out now. Yep. Yeah. And our answer to this was, if you remember, Phil, feel free yeah. to uh, take the reins. So, so we noticed that obviously, Dan, you put your foot rings up. So, you know, it's yep. uh, boards that are eight by four. So four go across the top and four go underneath. Yep. Like that. And, it was the ones in the middle that were most affected, but the ones closest to the front of the ring. So me and Chris said, well, well if, we, if we pull them out, we turn them around, push them straight back in, that will leave the edge of the ring where no one goes a bit broken, but the center of the ring where the most impact is, um, at least we can get it as good as we can get it. Yeah. And we'll tell everybody to ease up. Yeah. And... Um, Whatever happens to the boards after the show, we don't give a fuck. We just need to get through to the end of the show. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we, me and Chris are there. We're kind of lifting up the padding. We're kind of sliding this board out. We're taking out the front row because people are, like, getting a board in the face. And as yeah. we're pulling it out, people are seeing the states these boards are in. Now, regular working men's club people are coming up to me and Chris while we're trying to get these boards out going, oh, what's going on here then? And they're trying to look, they're trying to get involved. We're like, no, 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 it's cool. Go, go, go. go move, move away, please. Nothing yeah, to yeah. Here. Go, go do you. It's cool. Um, but it's hard to hide. People are going, oh, the ring's broken. And we're trying, no, 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 no. Calm down, people. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Look, Chris, okay, but sure. on the flip side of that, I'm going to, like the, some of the uh, punters are going, yes, the ring's broken because we've just had like quite a decent yeah. sort of first half. So I I'm didn't, playing I, it the other way. Yeah. I'm going I, like, I, well, yeah, the wrestlers have broke the ring. Therefore, we're not trying to fix it because you've had a great first half of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris is captain bullshit when he really needs to be. Like hats off to him at that point because I didn't think of that. My mind is just oh fuck. Oh, we're gonna have to like send everyone away and pay everyone and then still pay the wrestlers and all this sort of stuff. That's what's going through my mind. Mate, then, I'm, a, I'm a trained journalist. You've got to spin yeah. everything. <laughs> um, and so we're just trying to like figure out. So we kind of like pull them out and put them back in. 
And we had like a big roll of focus, like bright red gaffer tape that I think Chris had in his box of tricks. So we put a big bright red, I think it's a big bright red X in the middle of the ring on top of the canvas. Big bright red X. Yeah, it was a bright red um, X on where the broken bit was. And we said to the rest, it's like, do not hit that area of the ring. Yeah, was there was three points if I remember correctly because one near the front of the ring. Well, yeah, one yeah, the but the, the key one was like close to center, which was yes. the issue we had. Yeah, so we went in, went in the back, and that's and when we were both like we were touching, like we would touch cloth for the, for the rest second off. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was almost touching Chris's cloth, like it, it was it was that desperate at this point. So I went in the back, I explained um, the situation because there was. We, we advertised five matches, but because of the opener, it created an, an improv fifth match, which we'll, yeah. get to, which we'll get to in a minute. And so we said to the, you know, the other three people in the three matches, what the other yeah, three match peoples, um, be very, very light. Do not bump. Roll out of everything. If you need to brawl on the outside, brawl on the outside. Just safety is absolute paramount. Yeah. And do don't not hit do these anything. crosses. Yeah. Now, I wasn't there. I haven't seen this footage. But a little bit of me is thinking, if you put a big red X somewhere and tell people not to aim for it, did they start using that as almost as target a practice? Bullseye. Yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. Yes, and, yes and no. Now, Dan, you've got, you've got the rest of the card up on your screen, have you not? I have indeed. The first two matches after the interval, fine. Not oh. nothing really with to- Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, oh, I yes. see. So However, my, no. you say this, Phil, the next card of the match is when I said to you there was an incident with the kids last time on the show. I don't remember this. There was a bit where the kids in Silverdale audience shouted, kick his fucking teeth in. Oh, Okay. And we're sat there at the curtain waiting for, like, whatever issue to happen with the ring. And that's why we heard that. And we peeked through the curtain. It's a five-year-old kid hanging <laughs> off the banister, shouting at the ring, kick his fucking teeth in. Nice. Um, <laughs> he's a twinkle in his father's eye, that young God scamp. God bless Silverdale. Indeed! <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Now I'm going to I'm going to take a bit of a, a jumping leap and assumption that this next match uh, I'll say jumping leap and assumption. Given the match after this, it definitely wasn't going to be that one. Um, that this is the match that Mark Morgan would have been in because it uh, again features uh, Max Angelus. Um, you know there had been previous four ways for the G6. I am going to presume that this should have been a four way for the G6. And um, yes and no. Okay. So this is where two matches kind of went awry a little bit. Now, okay. I'm going to say, um, I think it was meant to be Max Angelis versus Mark Morgan, a rematch. Yeah, and I want to say fair. it was, let me think who else it could have been. Um, who else would it have been? Jack Birchall, and I think it would have been Jack Birchall and Pyro. Okay. I want to say that's what that was originally booked. Now, Virgil had to pull out because he injured himself lifeguarding a few days before the show. Okay, fair enough. Might have been, might have been a few weeks. So there was enough notice that we could get a... We couldn't, we couldn't, change, yeah, couldn't change the match graphic, but we got a replacement person for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mark Morgan had some... I, I swear it's an ankle injury, I want to say, yeah. and he had to pull out of this show. Um, 
Now, this would have been a Friday night. Mark said, well, I'm so sorry. I'm pretty soon it's, my, it's, it's ankle. I've done my ankle in. I can barely walk on it. I can't make the show. I said, well, could you at least, if someone drives you, could you come and sit on the merch tables so that when whoever we put in with Max and Jalice, when Max wins, he calls you out at ringside, picks on an injured you, who's a baby face at this point. Yeah. Max looks like a big scumbag picking on an injured champ, sets up for the next show, which would have been three months after. You'd have had more than enough time to recoup. Win, yep. win, win. Um, now, yeah, so but Mark said, I can't even walk on it, can't put any weight on it. My girlfriend can't even bring me. I'm really, really sorry. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, there was a re. Um, Mark had been tagged in at a Christmas market in Manchester the very next day by his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, Oops. Yeah. And then it was quickly deleted. But Phil sees fucking everything. So I was kind of a bit dubious. I didn't quite know the, the um, you know, ins and outs to it all. But yep. obviously on this Friday night, all I knew is he was injured. I didn't know this till the day after. Yep. And we said, okay, well, we've got two matches that we need to fix. So we'll, we'll, put, we'll combine something from the first match because um, Battle Squad Awesome came out with Jenna, who's, who was our, who's a wrestler that was one of our announcers. Yep. Jürgen Harmlich and Paul Malin came out of Violet Vendetta. So we're going to put them in a match against each other, improv style, later in the night. So that's going to be a match. We'll, we'll take the broken parts of the broken two matches and we'll put them together and make Max Angelis versus Joe Vega versus Pyro. It would be nice a freeway. Yeah. Typ typically, I'm not a big fan of freeways because it always leaves one person on the outside waiting to get in. Yep. It, it's a bit hit and miss but for this he wasn't too bad Pyro was still in his um, injuring himself scenario, scenario at this point he did a corkscrew off the top oh. how, he, how he didn't decapitate himself I will never know it was one of those like proper wince moments Joe Vega yep. good, good reliable wrestler took a bit of time off for a while I think he's come back couldn't tell you for the life of him and Max and Jalis looking like the absolute scumbag heel that he knew he could do a million times over which is perfect absolutely fair play uh yeah I mean and on, on the on the subject of you know thought you not being a fan of three ways I personally quite like them <laughs> yeah I know interesting phrase um yeah you know, sometimes you just got to go with it um you know I I, I personally sort of I, I I see your thinking in terms of you know there's always one person left out however you can also then have really fantastic moments. And again, one of the moments that sticks in my head from recent history uh, was, I want to say, Jukan, Ryloid, and Alex um, Bauer. Um, and again, sort of like just a, a, yeah. a beautiful kind of sequence of of craziness culminating in, in Ryloid hitting a, uh, I think, a, a destroyer on... Yeah, did it hit, on, did it hit on Jukan? Oh, no, hit on Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Alex was Pyro at this point, so I yeah. don't know if, uh, if if Pyro slash Alex Power was our freeway specialist. I have no idea, but he just no. always seemed to be bundled in, and uh, yeah, it's one it's one of those moments. Yeah, yeah Max Angelis picked up the win, lovely scumbag heel, and at this point, we we didn't know obviously Mark was going to get tagged in at the I think it's the German market in Manchester. 
Yeah, I've committed. I've committed that to memory. You can tell I'm saving still. Oh yeah. And we and we thought at least if Max wins, at least on the next show, Mark's recouped. We can do Max versus Mark. We'll yep. go from there. Um. So yeah. So yeah. That's was, that was the fourth match of the show. Indeed. And then the fifth match, as you alluded to, uh, a bit of a a callback from the first match in terms of the um, managers, attaches, whatever you would like to call them. Plus one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this um, stands as like Jenna and Violet Vendetta were great, great opponents for each other. Mm. Like because they they they're never going to pull out a five star ma- technical masterclass. That's not what those characters were about. No. They were really, really good characters. I mean, Violet was the yeah, the pinup princess, that fifties kind of uh, kind of vibe. Jenna kind of wore a blue version of what. Silk Spectra War in Watch is it Watchmen? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I get you. Yeah, see. like a, like a, the the blue version, like the spandexy lycery one. Yeah, and really good characters. The audience were really into them, and Violet was a proper good scumbag heel. So put anyone against Violet, it's always going to be good. And yeah, really good improv match between the two. So they were involved in the first match. They're both sort of you know flanking these tag teams. All hell breaks loose. There's a cat fight. The teams are pulling the girls apart. Dale Harvey's like, I, I want to see these these two girls uh, in a match later. How about you? Yeah. Set up for later in the, later in the night. An improv yeah. match. Uh, really good. Yeah, Violet went over. Re- both of them stuck it in. There was no light-handed, you know, just gentle, gentle, tappy-tappy. It, they, they, they stuck their moves in, which is superb. Yeah. Oh, so that's what you want to see as well. Sort of like, you know, you can take you. Can, and again, I know I've been very in in previous podcasts, so especially sort of like in previous seasons, I've I've been very what's the word I'm looking for dismissive of some of the film wrestling's lack of effort in matches. Um, but you know, I've, again, still some of the best best wrestlers I've seen, male and female, are ones who you know, sell it well, both on the giving and the receiving, and make some goddamn noise. Um, stop being so quiet. Anyway, off my high horse. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, this show is on YouTube. Now, I don't know how I got this show, and I've got to thank um, uh, Jürgen Heimlich, Duke and Mark Lasek, Cyril, um, for pointing this out, because I, I thought we'd lost three shows DVDs. Okay. Turns out it's you know, four, five, showdown four, five, and six. Four's missing. I think six was corrupt. Uh, fifth is on YouTube. So this is on our youtube.com forward slash person view mm-hmm. channel. And I'm pretty certain this match is on there as well. Violet and Jenna, really superb match. And they had, they had, they had a you know, good few more matches together as well. There we go. And then uh, the uh, final nail in the ring's coffin, I'm assuming. Uh, the babyface Pitbull and Dylan Roberts for the Pro Wrestling For You title. Yeah. Now, Max, Joe and Pyro um, <laughs> worked very light. Despite them being three of them, they worked very light. They, with the dives and things like that, they tended to work towards the outer side, which is the least hit and probably the most strongest point where it's held tightest. Yeah. Jenna and Violet very light workers, you know, um, lots of roles, very fed into the bumps. 
again, fine. So at this point, right before the announcer does the, the, the announcements for the main event, I'm looking under the ring. Yeah, we're still good. We're still good. It's maybe a few little cracks appearing, but we're good. We're good to go. Yeah. I make a quick dash into the back. I grab Pitbull. I grab Dylan Roberts, who's Dylan Roberts uh, versus Pitbull at this point because it's like an open challenge. Yeah. So we kind of, we've still got no stories for Pitbull, so it's an open challenge scenario. Yeah. Um, and so I, 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 they, they fought each other a million times over at Britannia Wrestling. Those are two guys you can always put together. They'll always have great chemistry. Whether, no matter which one's face, no matter which one's heel, great every time. I said, run in the back. I'm like, guys, it's holding. Please be fucking careful. Don't do anything stupid. The match will still be great. Don't do anything fucking stupid. Stay away from the taped off areas where possible. And both of them went, all right, Phil, not a problem. And I, I took their word. Um, I just wanted uh... the show to be. I just wanted the show to be over. So I was like, cool. Have a great, have a great match. See you later. I yep. walked off. Now, as I walked off, I walked past Chris, who was in his little booth, and looked at Chris, and I, think I, might, I swear I gave you a thumbs up as if to go, we're good, we're good, mate, fucking yes. And I heard a noise come from behind me. I want to say it was Dylan. It could have been Pitbull, I don't know. There was a laugh of it as if to go, <laughs> oh, God. And just that one little chord, one little laugh, just that one little, <laughs> it's all it too, because uh, and it didn't occur to me till. I thought about it after the show, and I was like, "Oh, they they started their match. Um, they took the taped off areas as targets yep. to throw each throw each other with the most ridiculous over the top, over their head stuff possible. Like, let's see how far I can chuck you into the broken spot." But also. Given in mind that you're not going to beat this ring again, can you blame them for that? Nope. Let's let's fuck this <laughs> ring up as much as possible. Let's make this the most cinematic match that we can within Silverdale, the best it can be, and fuck this ring up eight ways to Sunday. Yep. I mean, if any of us were in that position, we'd do the exact same thing. Yeah. We're not paying for the ring afterwards. Um, I mean, I'm a very conservative with myself kind of guy would i want to be throwing myself at broken wood that i know has got massive iron bars underneath that could potentially give me some really serious backache i i <laughs> when i made the the debut as chrissy Steele, i asked uh, my good lady wife if i was allowed to take a coffin drop and she has banned me from taking that move yes i so, agree <laughs> yeah fair. so if the ring was fucked up that's yeah. not on me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I mean, as much love as I have for you know Pitbull and uh, his um, attitudes, um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you do realize I have got to do like he's going to do this podcast at some point. I've yeah. got to do like a I'm going to chronicle every match he's ever done with person for you. I fully two. understand it. I fully understand uh, it. Right, imagine my chronology with this uh, this company. Fucking hell. We, we, we're, we're never, we're never doing that. DJ, 23 seconds. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, and that's the title of your sex tape. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so obviously um, with this one, uh, both of us football 
uh, defeated Dylan Roberts, uh, maintained his title whilst destroying the ring in the process. I mean, they, they were hitting like angle slams in oh, the taped off area. Like they, they were targeting it on purpose. Like to the point that they're picking each other up just to like give them, you know, hit some Germans, realize there's still no any of the tape. I think little, little miscalculation, <laughs> turn it, <laughs> boom. And I, 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 in the footage, I'm just at the ringside, like with my hands on my temples, like let it be over, let oh, it be God, over, yeah. let at it be the over. Time, at the time, me and Phil both backstage going, Please don't. No, no, no. But thinking back now, now that I've done 23 seconds of wrestling, I would totally do the same thing. <laughs> I, I can't help but think, yeah, fuck it. It's not our ring anymore. Let's do it. Oh my if only you were two seconds short in that rumble, we could have you coming out next time to uh, 21. 21 20... Yeah. 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 I've been around you too long. I can read your mind already. Um... <laughs> uh... <laughs> Uh, indeed, but and, and again, uh, on the subject of being around too long, we don't want to keep uh, you know everyone too long. We want to leave a little bit of something for the next episode, for episode four of season four, uh, where we are going to go through 2014. There's a there's a nice theme of fours there. There's a theme of threes yeah. for this one. There's a theme of fours for the next one. I like it. Well, so a couple of little tidbits. Do we? If you don't mind me finishing you off, I'd, I'd uh, never say that to me again. Damn it, we switched places. <laughs> That's my line. Um, so let me let me see what I can pull out of the uh, out of the bag for this one. So again, continuing the theme, we had Paul Malin in the opener. We wanted him to bookend the show. So as soon as Babyface Pitbull had got the win, Paul Malin ran out, Fala Vendetta runs out. Paul tries to capitalize on Pitbull's nakedness. Doesn't get it, gets bailed, runs away with his case to live to fight another day. Okay. Other little tidbit. Yep. Now, I always, I always put the ring up. I always take the ring down. That's just, that's just me. You know, it's my show. I want to be the first one in, only the last one out. Always, always, always going to be the way. So, we're done. So we, the the, sh- the show's o- over. Me and Chris are like, oh, thank God for that. We need, we need a beer. We definitely need a beer. Definitely need a beer. And everyone's gone away scot free. So no one's injured. We're yep. good. The ring is destroyed. Uh, it's a shame because you know, once everything had been cleaned down, it is a be- it's beautiful craftsmanship that goes into a ring. Like it's such yeah. a shame. And at this point, Thomas put it on a, a brave face. Mark is put on a brave face because they know I am fucking seething. Um, and they're just kind of like just trying to make light of it and all this sort of stuff. And I, I got their money. I kind of chucked it at them. Don't even know if they picked it up because I was still going to pay them. Well, I agreed to pay them because I'm not, yeah. I'm not a dick. That's fair. Um, and and they did spend a considerable amount of money on boards because not all the boards were replaced. I think they replaced three or four, if memory serves. I mean, that's so the, wood's not cheap, and wood size ain't they, cheap. They bought three and replaced two. Yeah. Um. So they, that would have been a good sort of sixty quids. 80 quid, 90 quid, or about 25 quid a board, somewhere there or thereabouts. So they, they weren't making anything. They were, make, you know, they were making buttons at the end of it. And at that point, we packed up. I think we, I don't know if we went town or where the hell we went for the drink after. I have no idea to this day. Um, that's the only time I've walked the out. The rigor is always, it's always a rigor. Yeah, more than likely. And that's one of the only times I've we packed down. I've just said, try to uh, to everyone. I would say, try to all the bar staff. You know, 
Um, like the very last show, like, I think it was me and Chris went up to uh, Carl, the guy that runs, he went up to Jack um, and all the bar staff said, thanks, yeah, well, hopefully we'll be back soon. It's, yeah, you should thank those people. They're, they're working yeah. their arse off for, yeah, for us. Said try to everyone, left Mark and Tom in, in the venue. This would have been maybe half ten, perhaps, ten half ten, so in that kind of gap, because we're not taking it down. So we left about half ten, called the taxis, we're going town, drop stuff off my house, town, need a beer. Um, Mark and Tom were taking bits of the ring out themselves, one at a time. And so the owner, which wasn't the, isn't the current owner, but the, the owner that was running to that point, said they ended up leaving about 2 a.m. Which I felt bad, because that looks bad on me. Like, at that point, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I totally get that, dude. But again, at the end of the day, it's their fault. It's a problem of their own making. Uh, yeah. Not storing a ring in anywhere that's watertight. I mean, like the metal pieces, yeah, fair enough. Stick, you know, yeah. stick them in the shed, because a bit of white down... They're painted, you know, they're not going to rust that easily. You know, it's, it's, that's absolutely fine. But the canvas, the boards, the, yeah. the fabric parts, yeah. you store them in, a, even if you have to sort of like, you know, take a trip up to a loft to put them in there, you know, yeah. or, you know, store the boards in a hallway. It's sort of like, you know, if you've bought that thing, you look after it. It ain't cheap. And people are relying on you to provide that for their talent that they yeah. are booking and insuring. And you're getting paid for it. Like, yeah. again, back then, like, Phil says he went for a drink afterwards. But then, like it was me and Mark who did lights, we'd pack up the car and we'd travel back ourselves. Like we wouldn't have a chance to go for a drink afterwards because it would be yeah. Mark at the time lived up in near Cheadle. I lived in Leek. Yeah. So we wouldn't go for a drink afterwards. It'd be like Phil would pack down, we'd pack down, and we'd all Head go off. our separate ways. Yeah. Um, and rightfully so, it's the same for those guys, but they've made their bed and therefore yeah. they've made lie in it. Yeah, I mean, sort of like, you know, A, you've got the wrong wood. If, if you know, you've bought that ring, you should know what the construction is. And B, sort of, if you've not stored it properly, this is on you. This this is, this is entirely on you. Uh, but yeah, so absolutely fair play. Um, but yeah, you know, enough enough ranting about rings. Uh, we will, again, sort of like, you know, we'll wrap this one up. We'll be back uh, for episode four. We will be covering 2014, the continuation of the Silver Showdown, Silverdale Showdown reign. <laughs> You had one job. <laughs> I've got one. Yeah, I, I always, you know, my one job is I use my voice. I use my words and I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> what, 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 what are we to expect from 2014? Uh, from 2014, the end of the Silverdale showdown reign and the beginning of uh, Pro Wrestling Fuse uh, November reign. Yep, so we, we brand new venue to the Holy Trinity. We start the World G Cup. Yeah, um, I believe Chrissy, the, uh, the uh, introduction of the uh, scoundrels. Yep. And this is, it's going to be like a bit of a personal one because I've got some stuff that I really want to ask Chris because this is also kind of the downfall of <clears throat> of his company, Blackout. So okay. we're, yes, we're, it we're, was. Yeah, we're, where I go from being behind the curtain to in front of the curtain. Yeah. And, <laughs> so uh, I get to watch the wrestling live. Yeah. And those fans that see your face have never came back. So. <laughs> And you can't blame them, Phil. You can't blame them. Can't blame them. But I mean, there's so much meat on the bone for 2014. It's one of those years that, yeah, it's going to be good. And we, we, we will be getting close to uh, to Dan's debut. I do believe we're in a, we're in a few shows. Yeah, with, with a, a, a couple of uh, a couple of podcast episodes, and we should be there. Because I, um, but yeah, cause I think it was around. I want to say it was around 2016 because I started Mice and Dice in 2015. 
as I won't say it was tail end of 2016 I probably started yeah I'd say that's about right yeah so that sounds about right um or if, if not started at least attending uh and helping out at uh, ringside uh but yes uh thank you very much from myself Daniel Terry uh from Christopher Moneypenny Crufts Strawn uh, <laughs> from, uh, uh Phil filthy titbit Woodvine uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> thank you very much stay safe thank you guys we'll Take see care. you next time bye bye thanks for listening check out pro wrestling for you on all social media platforms and stream our back catalogue of shows over at pw4uondemand.co.uk